Well, is everybody ready to roll? Yeah. 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 Okay. Welcome to File Under Entertainment Podcast with Eric and Jared, where this is apparently the, the Jared Roast episode, at least that's how we were pre-gaming it. So we'll we'll try to be nice to our co-host, Jared. Why don't you introduce yourself first, Jared? I don't want to anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jared of Feathers and Friends, and uh, apparently uh, we do a thing at work called Flamingo Fridays. And I've got my Zoom background up. I'm wearing my beautiful Flamingo Outbound Call Center T-shirt. And apparently, uh, I, I play for the rival team that the what, what, what did you say? the the banana whatever Savannah Bananas. Yeah, the Savannah Bananas. I've heard that they're amazing though. So, you know. Yeah, but you don't play for them. You play for the team that always loses. <laughs> to them, that's what we're saying. That was the joke. Sure, I guess. Whatever. Where else can they find you, Jared? You can find me on File and Entertainment if you wanted to. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's gonna be like this all day. You guys want to be assholes? <laughs> Jeez, only only I was mean to them. Uh, all right. Uh, so who was that that was just speaking? That was Mark. That was Go ahead. me. Hello, I am Evil Mark. Uh, I am have a podcast called The Evil Mark Show. It's a sports talk podcast. Uh, it covers both uh, college football and professional football. College on Thursdays, professional on Fridays. You can check me out at evilmark.com. Once again, that's evilmark.com. Or you can also check me out on Twitter X, whatever we're calling that website now at E-B-L-M-R-K. Uh, glad to be here. Always. Uh, File and Entertainment super fan. Um, obviously, I'm a fan of how Jared dresses. I love to know what's going on. I need to know what's going on in, in his love life because that's also a, a source of laughs. And then also his, his clothing as well. I have to know. <laughs> Well, maybe now that you're and here, I kid the, because uh, I love the uh, the numbers a little bit because the uh, the decades, as I was mentioning, 1960s not off to a great start. Actually, we uh, I I'm guessing based on listenership, like the crossover listens, we almost doubled the amount of uh, listeners that or listens for that episode that we got. Mark, we went from 19 to 31. So. Nice, hey. <laughs> It's trending upwards. Uh, That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, terrible, like a horrible showing. But our uh, another guest is Jake. Jake, hello. Hello. I'm Jake, frequent guest on File Under Entertainment, including that 60s episode. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I also have my own podcast, Life is Unfair, the Malcolm in the Middle podcast, uh, which uh, I'm the only uh, official person who does that show. So check that out. <laughs> And sometimes I join, and I think there's like another guy that's like tertiarily involved sometimes, right? That yeah, just... He's the he's the hype man. He's not really part of the show. The flavor flav, if you will, right? Yeah, some might say. <laughs> oh, 100% flavor flav. <laughs> and last, he's going to love that, by the way. And last, but certainly not least, it's Chris. How you doing, Chris? Ahoy, ahoy. I'm doing good. Nothing to plug, right? Because yep, you don't no. have any shows yet. Well, no. except for the uh, the Iron Maiden show that you said that you were going to start, just as like the yeah, I, the personal. I forgot about that. Apologies, uh, okay. I haven't done it. So <laughs> again, I apologize, Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> it will. It'll, I'll probably forget again. 
Well, no Iron Maiden in this episode today, spoiler alert, but we do have a, a bevy of very interesting and diverse choices for the 1970s. Um, I think it's a pretty cool list. I'm eager to get things started. And yeah, it's going to be a while before we hear a Jake song, but then we get a couple of them in a row. So uh, actually leading us off in the music. Well, I guess maybe we should start by saying uh is the 1970s music is it is it something that you guys typically listen to or was it a struggle to kind of come up with uh enough songs to compile a playlist I mean, jared famously didn't uh contribute songs for the second consecutive week so because he's just not it's not really his his jam nope i don't i don't have much to do with the uh 60s and 70s i'd I've begun to realize that I actually do know a lot. Uh, however, I I actually kind of enjoy not having to do much other than hit buttons and talk about the music that we're listening to. So here we be, boys. Well, I know Chris. I know that you have. It probably was pretty easy for you to choose 1970s stuff. Yeah. Well, it was hard is narrowing it down. Um, kind of like the musical journey thing, because yeah, the 70s is the the birth of. The stuff that I was into, the metal and the rock and stuff like that. And I, as I was looking through the list, I was really happy to to see that wasn't just my my taste in there too, right? So, um, yeah, I'm excited about it. But it was, the seventies are just great. They're gritty. They're they got a little edge to them. You you know, you're post Beatles. You've you've got some more uh, blues influenced into the metal with Sabbath and Zeppelin and and you know all that stuff and and like that's just that's just my wheelhouse for the most part and jake you went the spreadsheet route again right yep always (laughs) so you had uh multiple genres and multiple selections probably for every single year right that you had to kind of select and um much like much like last uh episode the 1960s i i was kind of focusing not intentionally, but it all just ended up that way. It was all late 60s. And I got all like mid to late 70s here too. So did that influence any of your selections? Uh, not too much. Definitely having an extra person here. But I think there were only two years that we don't have covered. So I actually had three songs that uh, were ba- two of them were based on genre. And then uh, one was uh, sort of... Uh, it started as a free choice, but then I realized I had the date wrong on one of Mark's songs, and I had to make a little switch. But uh, See, it was one of those I, I really wanted to talk else's about songs it. too. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and did but you yeah, prepare uh, little uh, trivia nuggets like last time? I sure did for every single one, and it was awesome. rough this time. It's a a lot less, of uh, yeah, a lot less assassinations <laughs> of political figures in the 70s. True. A lot more terrorism, though. So <laughs> we got that going. Big nice. Maybe that's why our 60s numbers were so down. The government was dissuading people from listening to There you go. Exactly. It's a conspiracy. Mark, you can get behind that, right? It's a conspiracy. Well, I, I do believe in conspiracies, but I do think that there's there is something to be said about the the 70s compared to the 60s. The 60s, I think, even now when we look at 60s music, uh, like a lot of the hippie stuff was was basically lies. A lot of this was bullshit. It was a lot of the boomers making promises that they never followed through with. In fact, I mean, when we look at the one of the most important pieces of fiction to come out in the early 70s, which is uh, Hunter S. Thompson's um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And when we get to the wave speech. It's it's all about the this 
the high mark of the 60s being seen and then 70s start and you have all this disillusionment and with disillusionment comes better music better art uh better things in general that's why the 70s i think is such so superior to the 60s because you have all the fake promises of the 60s and then you have all the real gritty uh the first song alone on our list takes us right to the heart of new york city white and black it's a it's a bubbling pot that's boiling over and you have a movie general cinema at the time and tv telling the stories of everywhere because there isn't mass media yet like we see mm -hmm. it today well, you also you had mentioned uh, like you did a special thing with your list, and I don't I don't know if that was um, a conscious decision on your part or if it just happened to be like the the five songs that you wanted, and then you kind of noticed a theme afterwards. Or were you going into cultivating the list with like I I have to have like this uh, a Latin flair and presence? No, I think there, I, I in my mind because the seventies were very important for for us, all kinds of artists, especially artists who were. I wasn't able to work in Captain Beefheart, but like, but a, a Latino artists and stuff like that. And as we get further and further away, the seventies gets whitewashed. It gets whitewashed into just like a lot of just rock and stuff like that. But at the same time, you had all these things, all these different styles that were coming into the mainstream that that were that were uh, that were flavored by other things in life. It wasn't just so homogenous. And I think that's what's cool about the 70s to today was like Oliver Anthony could have happened in 1972. It could have happened today. It would, could have only happened in that kind of era where somebody could have created a song. It would have got traction. It would have made its way out there. In the 70s, it would have been more difficult. But it just it speaks to where we are right now with disillusionment and stuff like that. But to your to your question, yeah, I I, I thought a lot of I think a lot about the the artists that I chose because I think of the soul that gets lost in the mix that gets whitewashed out, and then especially uh, in country music. With the all the of Charlie Pride, you have uh, Freddie Fender, who's on our list today. Uh, guys who are nowadays they're like, oh, Kane Brown's the first. Nope, not the first. All the first that we seem to forget about that the Wokesters seem to want to come up with nowadays weren't actually first. They happened here in the seventies. He's starting already. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well, am I wrong or am I right? <laughs> well, to make a point to something that you touched on earlier about like disillusionment create, creating great art, and you're talking about all the disillusionment now, not really seeing all the great art. Like, uh, certainly, maybe the lens will change as we're further down the road. You know, maybe in the next decade, we'll look back on some of the art that was created during this time and say, okay, yeah, maybe it really did st stand the test of time. But it doesn't have the same kind of. Uh, it doesn't ring true really like when you can look back in the sevens and be like, Oh my God, there was just so much great music. And maybe you can tie it to that disillusionment. But now people are pissed off and still creating just shit. So yeah. I don't, I don't know that it's, it really I, translates. I, I disagree. I think that there's a lot of great stuff that's being made right now, like a lot of really challenging, interesting stuff. And I think you see hip hop influences all different types of genres of music. And I know a lot of people like poo poo that mainly because closet racism but I, I i think the stuff that we have now it's good and it's great it's great for their generation but it's not for us everyone on this call is above 30 it's just not for us so there's going to be some of it that we're going to get and there's going to be some like there may be like you know olivia rodrigo banger that we're like dang i like that <laughs> one but like I, it's not for you that's the whole point of popular music it's not for you so it makes sense that i can't rock out to olivia rodrigo right now because it's not it's not meant for me well, sadly, the older we get to, the less and less that things are for us. We have to kind of just transition mm -hmm. into this like 70s, 80s. And I guess we can still have the 90s because that's, you know, what our heyday. Well, not for Jake. He's younger than all of us. But 
Uh, he was born in the 90s. I remember the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> the late 90s. <laughs> well, so does anybody else have any kind of other introductory stuff for the 1970s? Like a specific artist that you wanted to touch on? Or are we going to wait until we get to the songs themselves too? I think we should get to the songs. They sound okay. interesting. Fair enough. I've looked over All the right. list and... I like a lot of what I see. Okay. Well, leading us off first is a selection from Mark. What do you have to lead us off, Mark? Uh, this one is uh, called Across 110th Street. This is, uh, you may know this song uh, if you're a, a cinema watcher in the past, what, 10, 15 years. Of course, it's from American Gangster. It was prominently featured in that. But this is actually based on a movie from 1972, an action crime film uh, uh, with Anthony Quinn as a star called Acro Across 110th Street. Now, there's one thing to remember here about this particular song so it's it's created in 1973 bobby womack is the artist great soul artist and here's the difference here why why the name bobby womack doesn't ring a bell and why like a name like elton john rings a bell bobby womack was just as prolific uh, didn't sell as many records but what we'll see and i think i don't know if you guys talked about this in the 60s episode i've only got through a portion of it yet but you will see here in 60s 70s and 80s of english artists co-opting the black sound and, but when you get to the source, when you when you cut off Elton John and you listen to Bobby Womack, you get you get better music. Just like if you if you went to Chuck Berry, if you cut off the Beatles, you go to Robert Johnson, you just get better music. Uh, this is why Bobby Womack is just kind of totally underrated, uh, not respected for what he did. And this is just one of his great story songs that I think is holds up. It sounds like a movie in and of itself. So, uh, Jared. Why don't you go ahead and play it. We'll we'll talk about it afterwards. No, because Jake's got his fun fact. Oh, okay, what's your fun fact? <laughs> the year is 1972, and five White House operatives have been arrested for burglary at the Watergate Hotel. Here's Bobby Womax across 110th Street. <laughs> And I was just trying to find You don't know what you do Till you put under pressure Cross 110th Street is a hell of a tester Across 110th Street Pimps trying to catch a woman that's weak Across 110th Street Pushers won't let the junkie go free Across 110th Street You can find it all in the street 
a better way out. Short ain't that coke, shooting that dope man, you're copping out. Take my advice, it's either live or die. You got to be strong if you want to survive. The family on the upper side of town will catch hell if without a ghetto around. In every city you'll find the same thing going down. Harlem is the capital of every ghetto town. Let me sing it. Across the hundred and ten street, pimps trying to catch a woman that's weak. Across the hundred and ten street, wishes won't let the junkie go free. Was there a specific reason for for choosing that song? It's kind of fitting that yeah. uh, alphabetically it, it kind of leads us off. I, I did not think it would lead us off. I wanted to make sure that I that I had some soul representation there. I wanted to make sure that Bobby Walmack got some some props here because he is one of the the better singers of the of the seventies. It kind of gets overlooked. This was a guy who was doing standards five years before this he's doing the american songbook and here he is singing a song about you know junkies and on the street and for this for this really gritty uh time period piece about new york and uh i think the other thing that's that kind of hit me when i was listening to the song again with with y'all is uh i'm like damn you know this could be about current day it could be about mm -hmm. the same thing the 70s and our current day have so much in common and i think when as we go through this even with when we get to the rock music we're going to see the same kind of feelings that I think people have after, you know, all the political nonsense that we live in and how everything is so tribal. I think it, it, everything in the 70s kind of rings true to, to, to today. Well, you said it today. Also in a text message completely for a different context, we were talking, we were uh, uh, texting back and forth about a sports related thing. But you said the more things change, the more they <laughs> stay the same. Right. Yeah. I mean, we touched on it last week or last episode in the, the 1960s where we were talking about like a lot of those uh, issues that we're coming up are still issues today, you know, 60 years later. And so to your point about the 1970s, and the more things change, the more things stay the same, like the disillusion, then disillusion. Now it's, it's still a lot of the same issues that we still have as a society in, in this country. And it's, yeah. So Jared, I guess we have to get your take first on this one. Had you heard it? And what did you think? I've never heard that song before in my entire life. I thought it was actually great like that. That was some soulful friggin like, yeah, that's that's what I think of when I think of soul music right there. Like that was that was astonishing. That was great. I loved everything about it. Uh, yes, please. I would love to have some more. <laughs> okay. Chris, were you familiar with this one at all? Yeah, that's a that's a great song. Um, I mean, 
just soul that that staccato bass line that's just pumping along is just amazing really really good song um yeah enjoyed the the hell out of that the instrumentation you know like the 70s started bringing in big you know bigger bigger productions right and, and these horns had like this kind of like kind of i don't know polish to them but like that's like that's just real authentic really good soul music and and has a has more raw to it mm-hmm. than a lot of the stuff of the 70s some of the the poppy stuff of the 70s had a had a had a had a shine to it or they tried to put a shine to it this is just epitome of really good soul music jake i can envision that this one would be one that you were familiar with and kind of had an affinity for right uh yeah but for a weird reason uh the the reason i know this song is because of the bass player who's carol Kay, who's like one of the most famous like session musicians of all time Uh, i I went through a phase a while back uh when that uh, wrecking crew documentary came out Mm. like talking about all of those session musicians Yep. And I just like went through and like listened to like a lot of the songs that like people made arguments for like, no, no, this is like one of the greatest musicians of all time. <laughs> you just don't know them because they were never in any bands. And uh, a lot of people point to this song as one of Carol Kay's like definitive, like she is one of the greatest bass players of all time. Like listen to the song and try to tell me she's not. <laughs> so the fifties and the sixties were so good. Like you had James Jamerson in Motown, just monster bass players. And and just they they create this live feel to it and a bounce that you don't get anymore. And like th- those two, like absolutely sh- shaped rock and and soul music for for decades. And and people are still trying to emulate that 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 punch and that feel in that pocket. And it's it's just amazing. So you're absolutely right on that. So, Mark, you said you definitely wanted to have uh, some Bobby Womack representation on here. Are there any other ones for people like Jared that gave that a listen that hadn't heard it before that were like, oh, I definitely have to hear more of this? What would be a good starting point? I mean, well, aside from this song, obviously. Yeah, I was going to say, not only this song, all Bobby Womack's back uh, catalog, but I I think the other one, I think in this, this guy has uh, been featured on this show uh, before, uh, on this podcast before, but I think the, the one is leads up to our next song is Bill Withers. Bill Withers is another one just like Bobby Womack not as bad as Bobby Womack Bobby Womack might as well be in like witness relocation the way he gets treated uh but Bill Withers is going the same way and it's it's not fair Bill Withers is one of like the richest most beautiful voices that we have in all of music and it's unbelievable when we talk about soul and he crosses over just enough pop I I think that's the one thing with with Bobby Womack Bobby Womack that's definitely a soul voice I think when we get into Bill Withers I think is another great one and another great entry waypoint into soul music I I think is Bill Withers is another one that'll give you just enough pop to bring in your your white teeny bopper but just enough soul to prove it to the brothers like I think we'll get to it next. Yeah, well, that's a very good transition. I don't know if it was intentional or it what, was. That is <laughs> such a podcast professional. Look at you. He, he did really good on the Friday show with a transition. I was actually really <laughs> proud of him. <laughs> it's only taken us what two years. we'll get sharper. <laughs> So, as he alluded to, our next song is one of my selections. It is Bill Withers. It's Ain't No Shun- Ain't No Sunshine. It is from 1971, the album uh, from Just As I Am. 
Uh, it was released as a single in 71, became a breakthrough hit, reached number six on the U.S. R&B chart and number three on the Billboard Hot 100. It's been ranked as the number 23 song for 1971. Uh, Withers was inspired to write the song after watching the 1962 movie Days of Wine and Roses. He explained in reference to the characters played by Lee Remick and Jack Lemmon, quote, they were both alcoholics who were turn- alternately weak and strong. It's like going back for seconds on rat poison. Sometimes you miss things that weren't particularly good for you. It's just something that crossed my mind from watching that movie and probably something else that happened in my life that I'm not aware of, end quote. Uh, So a a little bit of a game for you, since there's a lot of numbers in this next uh, segment. Um, Do we know, take your guess as to how many times he says, I know, consecutively. Jared, what do you think? Jared, have you heard this song? I have heard heard this song. I'm going to go... 10 times that he says it. Okay. Jake, what do you think? Way more than 10. It's probably like 22. Okay. Chris, what do you think? I was going to say 23, but that seems like kind of a dick. (laughs) (laughs) You can price this right. But I'm still going to do it. 23. 23. And Mark, what do you think? I'm going to price this right in as well. 24. (laughs) (laughs) $2, Bob. $2. Congratulations, Mark. You are the closest for the song's third verse. Withers had intended to write more lyrics, but instead of repeating the phrase, I know, 26 times consecutively. But then he followed the advice of other musicians to leave it that way. He said, quote, I was this factory worker putting around. So when they said, leave it like that, I left it. He was 31. He had just done nine years in the Navy and was working at a factory making bathrooms for 747s at the time that he wrote the song. When it went gold, the record company presented Withers with a golden toilet seat, marking the start of his new career. Ain't No Sunshine was the first of Withers' three gold records in the U.S. It won the Grammy for Best R&B Song in 1972, and it ranks as number 285 on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Why I chose it, uh, it's so brilliant in its simplicity and its longing. Like, would it have been the same song had he gotten around to writing more lyrics instead of repeating I know dozens of times? I argue that the simplicity makes it more complex because of the pained undertones that stems from his subconscious, which all of us as listeners, anyone who's gone through any kind of pain or struggle can identify with, put our own spin on it's a great song. Plus, as an added bonus, it was used in some pretty cool marketing for the video game Dante's Inferno, which, well, the marketing was better than the game, but it, it did use the song really, really well. I know, I know, I know you're going to love the song. Let's hear Ain't No Sunshine. No, we got to wait for Jake's fun facts. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Jared. The year... Is 1971, and Disney World has opened in sunny Florida. But for those of us who prefer the shade, here's Bill Withers with Ain't No Sunshine. Wow, nice. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. It's not warm when she's away. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. And she's always gone too long Anytime she goes away Wonder this time where she's gone Wonder if she's gone to stay 
Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And this house just ain't no home Anytime she goes away And I know, 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 hey, I ought to leave the young thing alone, but ain't no sunshine when she's gone, ain't no sunshine when she's gone. the darkness every day Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And this house just ain't no home Anytime she goes away Anytime she goes away Anytime she goes away I have to start with Jake because he was laughing at the Dante's Inferno reference. So I'm assuming he got it or was familiar with it. I am, but <laughs> what a way to like lead into this song. <laughs> like, <laughs> one of the like greatest songs of all times. And you're like, and it was in a cool video game commercial too. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I said this song was a lot better, like, and the marketing was a lot better than the game. I don't know if anybody, Jared, you're the only. Well, eh, Chris has played some games. Jared, did you ever play that game? I never played Dante's Inferno. I never really was kind of like I thought the game was interesting, but it reminded me a little of kind of like what God of War was like, and I was yes, never a big exactly. fan of that game at all. So. It was a huge God of War ripoff, and it, it was nothing. It really paled in comparison. So, which is why I the, never touched it. The the marketing was certainly the best part of <laughs> of the game. So at least it did choose a cool song. Well, okay. So Jared, sticking with you, what did you think of the song? I know. God damn it, <laughs> Chris! I don't know what else you want me to say. Like, I know I, that's that's all I got for you, brother. Yeah, no, it's another uh, another great song. Uh, I had forgotten about the second verse being just I knows, but uh, yeah, you get into it and it's just like, all right, let's keep going, keep going, keep going, and we're at the end of the second verse, so. <laughs> And it's so short, like it's, I mean, so just magical. And just the fact that just I know repeated 26 times is like, probably like literally half the song. It's kind of striking at just how, uh, how profound and how much uh, like kind of staying power it's had considering the simplicity. So uh, Jake, anything like further about the song itself? Like you already said, it's one of the greatest songs of all times. But I mean, why do you feel that way? I mean, the, the, the orchestration is fantastic it's not too overdone the way you see like later on with disco stuff uh it's like simple enough that it adds to the song instead of sort of distracting from it it's another one of those just like simple but just fantastic bass lines but i i, I do think that like repeated i know it kind of serves like the, the same function that like a solo usually does in a song it's kind of the, this building up of emotion but uh just done through that repetition and just the like increasing emotion in his voice which is incredible and it's super unique 
And Mark, you mentioned Bill Weathers being one of uh, the guys that uh, definitely had to have some representation in the 1970s. So obviously you had a familiarity with the song, with the guy. But I mean, so what do you think about no. the song? Uh, love the guy, love the song. It, it, when you were reading that sad, I was I was thinking to myself, I've like I've listened to this song for my whole life. Like I've heard this song when I was a kid. I heard the song, uh, the the different versions of it, the di- different iterations of it. And then you were saying this about the I know, and I was like, oh yeah, I guess it does say that a lot. I was like, I never <laughs> even noticed that before. So, I, I, if anything, I I think it adds to the charm of it. I never noticed it before. Just like Chris said, I, same thing. I was like, oh yeah, that is kind of weird. Yeah, well, I mean, we could sit here and probably talk superlatives about Bill Withers and this song all day long, but we have to to move on. So does anybody have anything more about it? I don't know if you know, but I know. You're hanging on to that one for what? The entire length of the song. And you just completely zoned out of everything that everybody was saying about it. I didn't hear a damn thing you guys said. Yeah, you just glossed off over all that. So, <laughs> Look, dude, all I know is that I know. All right? What more do you want from me, brother? <laughs> right, so you've been, have you been ha- – like Mark asked you, have you been hanging out with Hulk Hogan? You've been I know. He says – he, th- he says brother a lot. Like he's getting Macho Man Randy Savage on us, or he's getting Hulk Hogan on us. One of the two. There, there's this guy. Like, there's Listen, a guy, brother. Uh, that's what I think of when I think of Jared is Hulk Hogan and Macho Man. <laughs> well, Jake probably knows him, but like, there's a guy that plays Tarkov with us, and his name is uh, Whiskey and Cola, and he's just. He's amazing at Tarkov. Like this, this kid is just astonishing beyond belief at how good he is at the game. And he's always just brother this and brother that. And it's just, it, it's a constant kind of just barrage of the 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 Hulk Hoganist style kind of, you know, talk and speak. And then of course my uh, my supervisor, who's also named Chris, he's big into. Uh, Randy Savage and and those guys and like we we have a chat called the cream of the crop right where it's it his his favorite video to pump us up is where he's talking about how we're so good and he uses that Randy Savage where he just pulls the creamers out of nowhere and yeah it's it's a little much but I I, I, I don't know man I love it I love it love it love it so I will say, like, the brother thing, as obnoxious as it can be, certainly better than bro, every other word. So as long as we keep it that way. I'd like to go on record just saying I disagree. (laughs) You'd rather be like, bro, dude, bro. No, bro. Listen, bro. Like, bro, dude, bro. I I, I vehemently disagree. (laughs) Well... (laughs) Ain't that a shame that you disagree? Because <laughs> ain't that a shame? It's the next song on the docket. Uh, See, I'm good. Oh, he did the thing. I did it. I did. I pat myself on the back, strain myself doing it. Uh, Chris, this is your song. Uh, give us the intro to this one and why you chose it. Yeah. So when I think of the '70s and, and rock, obviously rock music, metal is my my thing. I, '70s were a, a decade of live albums. And and after the 70s, they kind of went away. I mean, in the 70s, you had Frampton Comes Alive, Live at Budokan, which is what this song is off of, All the World's a Stage, um, Unleashed in the East by Priest. I mean, just some killer live albums. And that's different now. You, you, You almost never get live albums from bands anymore. Bands don't play live anymore, which is another tangent that I will stay away from. 
Um, but you know, it doesn't get any more live and raw rock and roll than Cheap Trick. I mean, truly one of the greatest American rock bands of all time. And like this, this live album, you know, put them on the map. Like their 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 songs on this album were bigger than the the original releases of them. And um, you know, that says a lot. If a, a band can come in and play live and have more energy and capture more than what you can in the studio with tricks and things like that, it says a lot. And I've been I've just been a, a massive follower of Cheap Trick and and like this is just an awesome, awesome song off of that that album. So ain't that a shame, just killer. And like the interplay between drums, bass. Uh, guitars where they throw them back and forth later in the song like just so tight and good um yeah i love i love this entire album and this is my my one of my favorite songs on it well i think being from illinois we're contractually obligated to say that they're from rockford illinois as well i think that anytime the cheap trick is brought up it's if you're illinois you have to kind of claim them as your own and i know that jared's gonna love it because it's live and he loves live songs all the time so anybody else any uh comments before we hear the song uh, aside from jake's uh trivia nuggets obviously great album great album top to bottom just you are absolutely high if you think i like live music I was being I think that was sarcastic. sarcastic. Yeah, I think I I am high and I understood that joke. <laughs> I just I wanted to, remember if this is your first time listening to File Under Entertainment, we just want to let you know Jared fucking hates live music. But Jake, guess what time it is, buddy? Is it fact o'clock, Jared? It is fact o'clock, <laughs> yes sir. Awesome. The year is 1978, and Japan has signed a formal peace treaty with China. Let's celebrate live in Japan with cheap tricks. Ain't that a shame?
Jared, see, that wasn't so bad for a live song, was it? What are you talking about? That was trash. <laughs> wow. It was so wow. slow paced. And then on top of it, like, ain't that a shame? Like, yeah, cool. Like, you got more lyrics than that? Like, you know? <laughs> we just listened to a song where he said, I know, I know, I know, 26 <laughs> times in a row. And you're throwing shade at Cheap Trick for singing that? Yeah. 15 times in the song because that's the chorus. Oh, that's all they said because that's all I heard. <laughs> all right, Chris, go ahead and, <laughs> okay. and defend, defend your song and why you chose. So, so that is what music used to sound like when bands got in the same room and played together and just hammered out songs. You know, that, that intro is extremely long and, and just kind of interplays, right? So I, I can get why you don't like that part of it, right? But like, what a killer kick-ass song and energy live. It's just, it's just awesome. And again, a hundred percent live, right? Like, you know, I could throw kiss under the bus all day long, but like, you know, their live album isn't live. This is like actually live, like really legitimate live. So if you're a fan of live music at all, period, like this, this, this album is an absolute staple. It's not your thing. It's not your thing, uh, Jared, but um yeah you're you're wrong (laughs) i I will say i've been spoiled by like metallica you know the the bigger bands putting on the big shows and stuff but i don't know it just for the way it started it just felt very underwhelming well budokan is a a big show budokan is a big fucking show i mean i don't think it it gets bigger than that i i just think it's a it's a matter of like this is definitely uh uh the way rock has trended like this definitely is its roots but this is definitely you know again like it's not it's not for the maybe the the newer kid who's trying to get into this but i think there's some great value in this this arena rock this this just pure uncut almost americana at this point this is the same kind of sound that runs through the is the through line in rock and cheap trick for for all the shit they take i mean they're 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 doing the lord's work it's what <laughs> needs to happen in order for rock to continue they're a band that like even their their misses because they they have a ton of material they have like 20 some albums they've just been active for a long long time even their b-sides are still really good right like they just write i think this band has put the material like that's the at the forefront. Like they they just really like to craft really really good songs, and a lot of them are are kind of on the poppier end. Um, but they, they you, you mentioned Americana, like that's that's exactly what Cheap Trick is for for me. Um, they're not heavy rock. They're they're just a really good killer, kick ass rock band with great songs that are just extremely well. Well done, and Budokan, to me, is is the pinnacle of what a live album should be. It captures that energy, um, it keeps you engaged, and uh, it's just it's just really really good all the way through. Well, but much to their detriment, they've been pigeonholed with, you know, I, I want you to want me. Like it's it's like the kind of the the one note song where just everybody thinks of like Cheap Trick. That's the only song that they ever did. So I like I like that you selected another one that uh, maybe isn't as well known jake what do you think about this one? Oh yeah this is great uh i'm with you chris i love live music i think they should start like actually doing 
live recordings of albums again. It's something I do really miss. I think it sucks that that's gone away. Uh, so kind of the, the complete opposite of Jared on that. And Cheap Trick is one of those bands that like, I, I've listened to their studio albums and it doesn't really click, but all of their live stuff I've heard is just like absolutely fantastic. And I, it's one of those things where it's like, man, I, I wish I could have like actually seen them live because it's so much better than the like popular, like more polished, like studio version that they put out. They're still touring. They're still out there playing all the time. You know, some of the members have changed. Yeah, I was like, gonna say, are, is that like well, what percentage of the band is still alive? <laughs> so, um, they're they're three fifths. Uh, well, there, there was they're a four piece band, but they've always had some keys and stuff in there. But yeah. you know, they've had Rick Nielsen's kids have, have subbed in for every single person in that band at some point. <laughs> um, except for Rob, Robin Zander has always been there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're a band that's getting older, but they still tour, and they're just they're just as good as they ever was. They ever were. Um, seen them a couple times, and they just they're just great, absolutely great. So Jared's not going to be seeking them out for for tour anytime soon. I did, Jared. I don't know if you did see though that Metallica is coming back to Soldier Field next August. I want to say. Yeah, yep, I got tickets both nights. Nice, really. Oh yeah, because you can only buy them in two. When I bought them, you can only buy them as the weekend uh, set. So this tour is unique. They they're doing an, every weekend is a in a new city, and they're doing no back to no repeat songs. So oh wow, the and it was different on, uh, different guests, um, different opening acts. So we, we, uh, night one is Mammoth WVH, which Jared, if you're not into Mammoth, that's Eddie's kid, um, Woofy unbelievable killer rock album just came out <laughs> um and uh and then pantera and then night two is ice nine kills and five finger death punch who i could care absolutely less about um but i'm going to both nights because uh it's metallica so yeah i've 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 always wondered why somebody might go both nights to go see the, the kind of almost the same show because i remember when i first saw them on tour um I think it was like when they first started all the arenas and stuff like that. And then literally what ended up happening was I went back a year later and I saw them first at soldier field. And then I saw them at Minneapolis. I think it was backwards, but like it was the same, it was the same song, the same set, the same everything. And I was like, huh, that's kind of like, I'm cool that they still got it, but like, okay, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But now he's saying that there's, these are going to be different, you know, so back to back nights with uh, no repeat set list. So, which is True. good because again, I I could go an entire set without hearing Enter Sandman, you know, <laughs> you know, like that. I, I'm I'm cool with that. I want to hear you know some 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 deeper cuts, which again, why I like music. That's why I love Cheap Trick. Like you look at their set list FM, they 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 every single night they play is a completely different set. They they don't repeat. I mean, they have they have like five songs they have to play, otherwise people will riot. But they, they just they play whatever they want and they can play anything at the drop of a hat. That's just another sign of a real band. Metallica is the same way. You know, they obviously with this catalog like that, you're going to have those people that are super mad if they don't hear nothing else matters, Sandman, whatever. But, you know, I'm I'm in the minority. I want to hear the deep stuff. And um, so that's why I'm looking forward to the show as much as anything. 
All right, uh, next on the docket, it's uh, another Mark selection. What do you have for us here? Well, here we have, uh, th this is a great one. So uh, Psychedelic Rock, uh, uh, as we're, as I think, fact check me here, Jake, this is 1970, I believe, right? Yep, sure yep, is. This is 1970. We're coming out of the, the real heavy 68, 69. We're getting into psychedelia. Uh, and again, just like I said earlier in, in, in today's episode is, uh, the 70s and right now would be the only time when, where you could have an artist would really rise above it because there was really no way to look. There was anything that looked counter to what was out there was kind of was given a chance. It, it wasn't even our even our outsiders weren't all looking the same like they are nowadays. So you have these artists who are able to be discovered. And and I think this is I, I'm going to just let this song speak for itself. But I just know when when it comes to Hispanic Americans, there's like three great institutions there's like richie valens los angeles dodgers and, and carlos santana and what, what's the song this is this is his absolute best in my opinion my favorite one of all time this is a uh, black magic woman gypsy queen and jake the year is 1970 and the controlled substance act classifies marijuana as a schedule one drug here's carlos santana's black magic woman
<laughs> I forgot how abruptly it ended there. So yeah, it's, we always get caught up with that at least once an episode where it just like stops and it's like, oh, silence. Okay, this is great. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> Jared, gotta start with you on all these because I mean you're the one that didn't uh, select any music, so you have to be our sounding board mostly for us to to pick up what for to review what you said <laughs> so, i mean I, i've heard black magic woman before it's dude, like the whole half the reason why i didn't choose the 70s is kind of like my music go-to or whatever is i just i just don't like it's just not my jam i don't really care for this chill lax kind of <laughs> vibe out with the the bongos and shit like it's like don't get me wrong like, it's a good song it's just not <laughs> A, a, a happy go like it's not jared like it's just not me at all so <laughs> i forgot how much i love those bongos by the way <laughs> and i knew jared was gonna hate them <laughs> it's almost like you you made you you picked the song just specifically for me bud i think at this point in time well i shouldn't say it out loud but here we are because he can hear us i was going to say we should cultivate a playlist that is just songs to annoy jared <laughs> i will well, quit halfway through an episode it, it's not i i know jared i know jared thinks of himself the main character but it was it was not specifically chosen for you to, <laughs> to, to honor carlos santana who i think is is definitely always gets in the discussion of greatest uh uh 
know, greatest guitarist of all time. And I, I that's all debatable, but I, I can tell you this. I think if, if I think the, the closest comp here would be if, if Jimi Hendrix would have lived, I know that that's always the question, like what kind of stuff would he have made? I think it would have been the same kind of career tra- trajectory that we saw with uh, Carlos Santana into jazz, into Afro, into all kinds of other stuff. And then eventually finding his way back into the, into the mainstream and popular culture and then veering right back out again. I just think uh, there's just so many similarities here. And I think he carries the torch for that uh, psychedelia in the, in the current form. Well, I mean, Hendrix is end of his career was as unpopular as ever. Like banded gypsies, like, People hated that stuff, but it was like super cutting edge. Mm-hmm. So like he was veering into more, more blues type stuff, mm-hmm. you know, less rock. And I personally love Band of Gypsy. That, that album's killer. Um, but I, and I going back to, to Santana, I've never been a huge Carlos Santana fan. What I love about the band Santana is how many amazing musicians have ever been in that. Like here's a here's a trivia question. Um well it's not so Neil Sean from Journey, that this was his first band he was wow. in. He was fifteen when he joined Santana's <laughs> band. And then he left and 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 created Journey. So like I mean, just absolute rock royalty. You know, Buddy Miles was in there. Dennis Chambers, like just some absolute massive musicians have played in this band. And no wonder it's so musically good. Like they're just the best of the best. And it's not necessarily for me. I'm not a huge Santana guy, but like I, I can appreciate how good it is. Mark Santana's got the uh, the Saban coaching tree there. <laughs> yeah, it does. It really does. I mean, when you when you think about that band and and the influence that that he's had, it's it's insane. It's crazy how how relevant he stayed, even up until until what the 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 uh, Supernatural album, which even brought in current artists at that time, which caused a whole kicked off a whole other wave of other artists working together with with more established artists and that kind of mentor mentee relationship. So it's it's. Kind that of was cool. a huge revival for him as well. Like yeah. mixing with he the contemporary. He was bigger in the nineties or late late nineties than he was in the seventies, eighties. I mean, I mean the commercial appeal with things like smooth and whatever, right? This brought a whole new uh, flock of people that never knew who Santana was, and I think that's really good when you can, you know, kind of tie yourself to a. A now artist or an upcoming artist, but still keep what you do forefront, not just change everything. Like Santana was a was really good at that, I and mean, that was really cool that he did that. Jake, uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is a weird one because like it, it is you know a, a seventy song, but this is such a fucking sixty song with those, <laughs> those bongos, those hand drums, like and that, that psychedelic guitar playing. Like this is. This is the exact kind of like hippie nonsense that I do love. <laughs> like it's just so fucking good. And yeah, like Chris was saying, like I, I do think too much of the credit gets put on Carlos Santana's guitar playing, and it kind of doesn't do credits to how fucking phenomenal that entire band is. Like uh not not that like Santana is overrated because he is one of the greatest guitarists. Like that that is evident, but I, I do think that's one of the things that like sort of sets him apart from Hendrix is that with Hendrix, it always felt like the rest of the band was trying to keep up with him. Whereas Santana was a lot better at like 
weaving his guitar playing like into these like crazy like percussion stuff going on with these just like revolving door of amazing drummers that played with Santana. Very true. All right, uh, this next one is uh, the Chris selection. It's fitting because it's a the the song is the same name as the band, and he's also wearing the t-shirt. I am. Oh my god. <laughs> so Jared, I'm gonna throw you. He a double did the one. thing, Jared. I know he doubly did it, did, it, did it. Well, I just I gotta be authentic and I gotta be real, right? So yeah, bro, bro. I gotta represent. So uh, Jared, this this is a this is a metal song. This is the first metal song ever. So this is the this is from 1970. This is the the first song off the first Black Sabbath album. This is what started everything that we love and adore now. Um, the absolute, um, just like I don't I know it's kind of hard to describe. I mean, even hard for the words, but like the the gravity of this song and the tritone. I don't know if you guys know what the tritone is, but it's this it's a progression that is really evil and dissident and the church banned it forever and and sabbath like just took it and and made it a rock a rock isn't thing. it even called like the devil's sixth or something it is yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um it's just evil and it's literally two two notes you know it's the 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 tonic the octave and then the 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 tritone under it um just evil and like to me it's just it's the perfect it's the best opener of any any band like their their first song like this is it um it set the tone for that entire album and 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 the 70s going forward i think all the stuff from the 70s that we're listening to is influenced in some way by black sabbath at some point maybe not quite as heavy even though black sabbath wasn't commercially successful in america until later on in the 70s but like they had this this absolute soul. I mean, Mark, you mentioned um, white musicians from England taking from the blues musicians of America. The Stones were a big part of that. The Beatles, things like that. I mean, the Sabbath did the same thing. Just made it dark and heavy and tuned down, and and to me, did it better. Um, but like like I said, this is this is the start of all of it. Jake. The year is 1970, and the UK establishes itself as the undisputed center of the rock and roll world, holding history's largest rock festival and birthing the first ever heavy metal album. Here's Black Sabbath with Black Sabbath.
I can't imagine like uh, parents hearing that for the first time and be like, oh, no, that's <laughs> this is like a direct influence on the entire decade of the 1970s. And certainly like the satanic panic that happened in the 80s. Like this, I think it all starts here. Like Chris said, this is the first like metal song. And it's like directly not only their name, not only the song's name it's directly referencing like devil worship. And uh, wow, Whatever, <laughs> I can imagine dad. the fallout. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying like like just as Chris mentioned, this is the first like metal song. So everything that you know and love now, Jared, has this to thank for originating. So we have to start with you. What did you think? Uh I forgot how good the song was. It's been a minute since I've listened to it. Been a minute. But I love it. It's it's Ozzy Osbourne. I I don't know, do you guys remember watching him? And, and like trying to like figure out what he's saying and why he's saying it. And it was just, <laughs> come on, buddy, you could say it. You got it, dude. You got it. I mean, to be fair, that's a lot of drugs and booze that went through that man by the time that he was on the MTV <laughs> reality show. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, eh, but still, yeah, he, I love Ozzy. I love that man to death. Like, even now today, when he's like, eh, and then he starts to sing, it's just fucking amazing listening to that man sing. So, I love Ozzy. I mean, aside of uh, like biting the heads off bats, which <laughs> that's <laughs> I could do without that, but yeah, pretty cool. Other than that, uh, Jake. I mean, first of all, the bat thing wasn't Ozzy's fault, and yeah, the, the song is man, it, it's just so fucking good, and like so much like seventies metal that like at the time was classified as metal. When you listen to it now, it, you're like, I don't know, is that metal? But Sabbath is one of those bands that you're like, yeah, no, like this is. This is fucking heavy metal. Like this is the core of that genre, and it just kicks ass. Mark, what do you think of this? You know, I I'm not a metal guy, so but but I can I can tell you this, like uh, I, like definitely the 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 rock influences or the the blues influences that you can hear that, and then like so theatrical too it's so interesting like this became the first one and it's it's such a it cribs so much from and and then also kind of the 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 satan thing and then it, it just it all it all makes perfect sense like this is this is the first one probably one of the better ones i've heard too and i'm not a metal fan but yeah i just and it just you kind of forget that it's so theatrical because it, it just rocks so much yeah, it really amps up. Like, I mean, when you, when you first start, like, it has the the slow, like, I mean, just like the ambient kind of like a storm brewing. And then just the, there's the whole lead in where it's just like, yeah, like like, like Jake was mentioning, like, can this really be classified as, as metal? And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, yeah, there it is. Like, that is the epitome of metal. And just I can't imagine like hearing that for the very first time. And just like it, it changed everything. So, yeah, I mean, they changed music forever with two notes the first two notes of their and their album it it forever made things darker it made it okay to be darker uh it it made it okay to be real right because like you know like they're obviously you mentioned it mark like the hippie stuff was had its place but it be it 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 felt a little bit uh forced or it just felt a little bit strange like this came and wiped all that away it took all that angst and strife that people in in 
Birmingham at the time, blue collar England were feeling and put it into a song. And kind of like how Nirvana changed the landscape from the 80s, this reset the clock and I think set the entire tenor for all the entire for all of the 70s. For me, anyway, it was okay to be dark. It was okay to be heavy. You didn't have to try to fit into something different or unique. Like you can create your own thing may not be commercially viable because Sabbath certainly wasn't for a long time, but it was, it was authentic and just note for note. Perfect. All right. Anything else uh, to wrap up Sabbath in general or the song? Long live the King. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, moving on to my next selection then, uh, and I cribbed a lot of the, the notes because I was told that my introductions were too long, that we need to get to the music faster. So, <laughs> all right, this is, uh, Born to Run by Bruce Stringsteen. It's from 1975. Uh, it was his first top 40 hit on the Billboard Hot 100. It peaked at number 23. It's written in first person. The song's a love letter to a girl named Wendy for whom the hot rod writing protagonist seems to possess the passion to love, just not the patience. However, Springsteen has noted that it is a much simpler core. Getting out of Freehold, New Jersey on U.S. Route 9, a highway passing through Freehold, his hometown. It's mentioned from the lyrics sprung from cages out on Highway 9. Uh as much as his Santa Claus is coming to town, uh, absolutely <laughs> broke me last Christmas. Um, Bruce Springsteen, he's the boss, right? He remains one of the good music memories that I have from childhood and from my dad's influence. And uh, while most of my relationship ended up you know, kind of ruined with my father, uh, Springsteen, he was the common denominator, one of the positive influences that I can still kind of cherish. And I wanted to include a Springsteen song because of his influence on seemingly every decade that started in the 1970s, even to current. Um, I debated on this particular song because it was arguably my dad's favorite. So that kind of gave me pause initially, as do like the multiple kind of like flippant references to suicide, uh, which can't be glossed over. It has to be addressed. I mean, it would have been easy to just choose something else, but Uh, I ended up deciding not to penalize uh, what ended up being a brilliant piece of art strictly because of my personal connection to it. Uh, Maybe that shows that I'm growing as a person. Uh, Maybe I'm choosing to stay on my ground instead of being, you guessed it, born to run. Let's hear it after Jake's trivia nugget, of course. The year is 1975, and Patty Hearst has finally been arrested for bank robbery. Here's Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run.
I'm coming to you for initial reactions with all these songs because again you didn't select any songs so That's you have not to be fair dad like <laughs> at all at all yeah i've heard this song a billion times it like it should have ended three times <laughs> wow <laughs> well like you hear it like it winds like it builds up it plateaus and it comes down and like okay oh He's like, one, two, three, let's go, boys. And you're like, oh, there's a second. Oh, there's a third. Okay, cool. Like, sure, let's, I guess, yeah, we can keep rolling. Why not? <laughs> See, we here. also have to, we have to have you go first to get your madness and idiocy out of the way. So, <laughs> so now that, now that we got that out of the way, <laughs> um, th- that is one of my all time favorite songs. Uh, I don't necessarily think of it as a 70s song, but. It's it's and I, I I do really like Bruce Springsteen a lot, but I mean and that's his hit. I, that's the biggest one, right? Or one of the biggest ones. But I I never get sick of hearing that song. Like and when he does come down to you know comes down, 
and then kicks back into it, man, it doesn't get any better than that. Like, I'm sorry, Jared, like just like, I, I freaking love that song. Note for note. It's, it's perfect. If you ever goes get a chance to see Bruce live, like just, just killer energy for being as, as old as he is. Like it, it he's just, he's the boss hundred percent. I was okay. way too young going to appreciate it. I I think like back to back, maybe even within the same year, I saw Bruce Springsteen and Bob Dylan with my dad. And like, I, mm. <laughs> I ended up like falling asleep. And I think like yeah. we were walking out and there was like this obviously drunk dude coming out. He's like, you just saw a fucking legend. And my dad's like, you know, <laughs> you know, like scream obscenities at my child, <laughs> drunk piece of shit. Uh, but yeah, just obviously uh i wish that i would have had you know kind of more appreciation for what i was seeing at the time but uh jake what do you think uh yeah yeah i mean it is one of those songs that i've heard a million times but uh yeah it uh, i'm I'm with chris on that it's it's one of them that doesn't get old despite that i I still really like it's definitely not my favorite springsteen i'm much more into the like Santa Claus is coming to town. Right? Yeah, Santa Claus is coming to town, number one, obviously. <laughs> uh, uh, but I like, I, I like the like weird, darker Springsteen stuff. Like N- Nebraska is my Springsteen mm. album. But okay. at any time I do listen to this stuff, I'm like, okay, no, th- this stuff is way better than what it is like in my memory. If I go a few years without listening to it. Fair enough, Mark. What do you think about this? One? I, I'm I'm glad that he mentioned uh, Nebraska because if you I am not a Bruce Springsteen fan, but Nebraska is like for Bruce Springsteen fans who, or for, for non-fans who, who want to like Bruce Springsteen. Like that's, that's where you go, but his big hit stuff, it's just, it, it it reminds me a lot. See, I I think you fall when you're in that area of pop culture, you're, you're either in the uh, Springsteen camp or you're in the Billy Joel camp and both like to point at each other and be like, look how corny that fucking guy is, but they're both (laughs) exactly the same exact amount of camp and their good stuff is so good. It has no right to be that good. If you talk to their critics, but their corny shit is so corny. It makes you want to cringe like out of your skin. (laughs) So this one is one of those ones for me. It doesn't hit for me. I'm more of a Billy Joel guy myself, but I I can always appreciate it. Every time I hear it, I'm always like, ah, yeah, I should put this into my rotation, but uh, I don't know. Do I really <laughs> want to be that lame? <laughs> Mark, you and I have the conversation, I think, a lot where we say, like, especially in the context of the college football thing, I I hear everything you're saying. I agree with you. You're factually correct, but I disagree. <laughs> yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> no, I, can, I, I respect that. No, all of those are fair assessments. And I, Billy Joel is great in his own right. But I just like, yeah, and Springsteen is the boss for a reason. And does he have cringy stuff? Absolutely. And so, but I, I think that the good stuff is so good. Like it transcends kind of the cringe. I, we'll give him a pass on the, the super <laughs> cringy stuff because of like how transcendent he is with the other stuff. One of my uh, favorite lines from any comedian was Colin Quinn talked about Bruce Springsteen. He's like, Bruce Springsteen is an artist for the, for the people, for the common man. Yet his con- his concerts are seven hours long, but these people got to get up at four or five in the morning. Come on, Bruce, you can't play till one or two. Asshole. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, well, Mark, you have a, a chance to kind of outdo me with it because this this next song is your third selection already. <laughs> yeah, I don't, getting to them fast. Um, yeah. 
well, this one is great because I, I think we've we've we we started off with some soul. We got into some uh, the first metal song. Now we're like now we're even the normal pop. The Bruce Springsteen was was weird uh, and daring at the time in the seventies. Let's go over to to country. Country music is always like been okay with a novelty song, but then we get novelty songs that get kind of wrapped up into movies. And the seventies were like a perfect time where a song could be a hit song. And it could also be part of a, it could be the, the plot line of a movie or it could be the plot line of a TV show. These are where mass media is literally just sharing things, going back to one source. So the radio is affecting the TV and the TV is affecting the radio and is affecting the movies that are coming out. And it's all a vibe that's not quite pre-produced because things are starting to change and you got all these rebel kind of creators, but this is, is definitely one of its time. So it's definitely not made from a rebel creator. This is very prepackaged. It is a novelty song. It'll kind of cleanse the palate as we get here into the back half. And uh, once you hear the first couple bars, you're going to know it. And then you can sing along to it. You have my permission. This is Eastbound and Down by uh, Jerry Reed. Uh, the year is 1977. And Hollywood legend Burt Reynolds stars... And Smokey and the Bandit, featuring <laughs> Jerry Reed's Eastbound and Down. Oh, click. My mouse froze. Give it a second. Is it not going to... Did my this mouse seriously fucking die? Oh my god, you're the worst. I do chill. <laughs> <laughs> We gonna do what they say can be done We've got a long way to go And a short time to get there I'm eastbound just like no bandit run Keep your foot hard on the pedal Some never mind them brakes Let it all hang out cause we gotta run to make The boys are thirsty in Atlanta And there's beer in Texarkana And we'll bring it back no matter what it takes Eastbound and down are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound just watch your bandit run. Eastbound and down, loaded up and 
trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound up, watch our bandit run. Shout out to the truckers of America who are fervent podcast listeners. Always. I know this is like their favorite. So I had to make sure that I worked <laughs> this one in there because it's a classic 70s song. And it's a perfect trucker song. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious that as soon as it started playing, both Jared and Chris just immediately peaced out. They're like, all right, <laughs> country's on. I'm out of here. I was <laughs> fixing my mouse. Like, it's kind of hard to run a I podcast. Getting, I was getting some snacky treats. So um, th- this has to be the first podcast in the history of ever to have Black Sabbath <laughs> eastbound and down <laughs> mentioned in the same <laughs> hour <laughs> I, I like it it's, and it's bobby cool. womack yeah and bobby <laughs> womack. yeah i'm here for it man i like that song it's fun I mean, like smoking the bandit like i don't know how you can not like that movie it's just it's just pure frosting fun you know entertainment and that song is the same way man so I'm, it I'm, also I'm, inspired an incredibly fun tv show as well eastbound in town is uh mm-hmm. it's it's phenomenal. Uh, what a what a great TV show. But Jared, you don't get out of it just because your mouse broke. What do, what do you think of this one? Well, I'm getting my snacky snacks because I was literally just fixing my mouse this entire time to make sure I could run a podcast efficiently. Uh, but I'm I kind of like what Mark said. Like this is this is a trucker anthem to be like honest with you, and it's kind of freaking hilarious. Um, I mean, like. I'm not going to dog it because this is a song that spawned a uh, – because there's a TV show called Eastbound and Down. Um, I and just it, said that. That's what he just no, said. No, no, I know. But I, I was Welcome doing other things. Podcast. I was doing other things. But I love that TV show because of the main character so much that I can't shit on the song that I'm pretty sure spawned it. So, like, I'm agreeing with you, but also I'm doing something else right now. Uh, next person. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but there's actually an HBO show. Yeah. <laughs> what? The I'm gonna have to check yeah. this out. It I sounds great. Right. <laughs> no, I, I definitely, I grew up like loving both uh, Smoking the Bat in particular, also just Burt Reynolds in general. I love Gator and White Lightning and all those just super fucking cheesy '70s Burt Reynolds movies. Every single one of them. I've heard this song a million times because of that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just so connected to the movie for me that like, I, I can't even begin to separate like <laughs> my love for the movie with my love for this like cheesy ass song, which yeah, does also fulfill that, uh, that, that, that uh, innate hillbilly draw <laughs> of a banjo that that's inside of me because of my Kentucky Hill folk kin. <laughs> just as soon as I saw it has a banjo, I'm like, yep, I'm in. <laughs> Isn't there an ongoing debate between yourself and David about is it Bert it's Burt Reynolds and Tom Selleck? Burt, Burt Reynolds and Tom Selleck, yes. Because I, I once referred to Tom Selleck as the poor man's Burt Reynolds, and David got very offended. <laughs> Damn, so yes, it's is... been 
an ongoing <laughs> argument between the two of us which one is more famous <laughs> that's that's some truth right there i've never that is some truth he is kind of a, a budget burt reynolds damn <laughs> see now david was supposed to be here joining us because but because of work obligations and he couldn't so we can get all of our david slander out of the way too this is all like he he also can have those opinions about tom Selleck because he thinks that nobody knows who flavor Flav is and so that's why we were equating him to flavor Flav because I love that. That'll be great. Uh, Tom Selleck <laughs> is like if you ordered Burt Reynolds on Wish.com. Oh, man, Tom Selleck. <laughs> He's got a strong mustache game, though. So He does. You know. I'll give him that. David also famously can't tell the difference between Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Gosling. So. Or he he confuses the two. So just let to anybody else got anything? Uh, Jared from playing with David Tarkov. What what David slander do you have? Oh that my god, we, this like, will be a nice nugget for him. Like like if you want to have a six hour podcast, let's go. All right. So first off, David always says it doesn't matter where he goes. So he's a lot like you know Tom. Uh, fucking, he's a lot like Burt Reynolds. He's just kind of all mustache and and nothing else. No nothing there. I mean, it is a bit of a flavor saver, but that's the only thing he's got going for him. Uh, and then you take away the fact that Jake is the one true only co-host. I feel like he is the and, you know, he's not even a famous name. It's Burt Reynolds and and then that other guy. So who fucking knows? I don't know. <laughs> and I just want to shit on David for a second. And they're all in a show called Eastbound and Down that was on HBO. I know, right? What? Have you guys heard of that Spawn song? That no. one? You, I don't know if you've heard. I'm going to have to check this out. I know. Sounds <laughs> great. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. You know. Twenty, twenty-two more times, Dodge. Right. I, know, I 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 know. I'm not going to do that. All right. I was like the opposite of the bellwethers, like gaining momentum as he does it. You just hear Jared losing losing will to live. Oh, Jake, this next selection is actually the first for you. We we got uh what eight songs in before we have a our first uh, Jake one. What do we have? Uh we've got Heart of Glass by Blondie coming up from uh Parallel Lines, which is a big watershed moment for Blondie as a band, which had been like a weird kind of had one foot in New Wave, kind of had one foot in punk, like underground new york band that had had some success and then this album is kind of their transition into a much more polished like poppy kind of a approach and uh with that the year is 1978 and nasa officially allows women to enter the astronaut program here's blondie with heart of glass <laughs>
Jared, your complaint is duly noted. It's going to take uh, a minute. I can't do it while I'm actively. Well, uh, then I guess the engaged. podcast has to stop. So welcome to File Entertainment, the 1970s episode where we only go eight songs deep because Eric has to fix his shit. So. Jared, what were you Nobody heard about? what you just said, so. What are you talking about? Are you recording? I am now, yeah. I, I, I did the thing where I put my finger up, like, stand by as kind of a ha-ha jokey joke thing, and then you just had to, like, keep talking because you weren't well, paying attention. Well, because I was reading the text. Not paying attention yeah. to his producer, the guy who pushes all the buttons to make oh, sure the little truck goes. Like, at least Jake can do that, right? Stroke your ego. I was trying to uh, do the thing that you're <laughs> like, start the show over can't from eastbound and down? Is that yeah. Jared's being a diva. Said it's the the old logo, so he's not going to go on until it's changed. And I told him I can't do it. It'll have to be done after the show. <laughs> he's showing us an airheads, basically right. so showing I, that he's. I, I guess I'll give you my opinion. I, I thought that was. I thought that song came out in the eighties. I, I I always attribute Blondie with in with the eighties, and I swear I hear that on. 80s stations all the time but obviously if it came out in 78 then i'm wrong but it I was feels to see that on the list yeah it feels so 80s it feels like 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 mostly everything but that everyone was going for from 80 to 84 like every female singer was kind of going for this kind of vibe it's like it's the source material but it just shows that everyone who was trying to imitate blondie was like really just doing like a really poor imitation because i think this is this is the the pinnacle of that you could say this is in this belongs in the 70s episode and you could make the argument belongs in the 80s episode too for sure or yeah. mark it, you uh <laughs> is this this is the song that you brought up like did you know that it was on the playlist or no, you didn't, because Jake uh, didn't add his songs until I think mm. after we talked about yep. that, right? I did so, not yeah, know. Yeah, when we were recording, you looked up, uh, you said you might have to add plenty or the glass, <laughs> just based on the video and uh, Debbie Harry. So <laughs> I was like, look at this fucking broad. <laughs> was, uh... <laughs> Big fan of this one, I'm sure. <laughs> Jerry, do you want to? Debbie Harry does rule. <laughs> what was that, Jake? Oh, I, I just said Debbie Harry does fucking rule. She's the best. You know, I've never, like, I've heard this song God knows how many times, and I was always very curious about the lyrics, and I finally looked it up, and I didn't know, I, I just pulled it up, god damn it, I did that again. Yeah, Hardic, yeah Parallel rec- Lines, 1978, uh, once I had a love and it was a gas, so turned out, had a heart of glass. I never knew what that first line was, because, like, I just couldn't understand what she was saying. And then, I don't know, um, I don't know what it means to, like, once I had a love and it was a gas? Like, was that, like, slang? A lot of fun. A lot of fun, yeah. A lot of fun. Well, Mark, you're a gas. I am a gas. (laughs) (laughs) And Jared, you're an ass. (laughs) Oh! Hey, I would would skate hard to this song, all right? Yeah, it does seem like you're in, you're in a roller rink. You're like, maybe you're doing the backwards. You're doing the Christy Cross. You know, I'm not that skilled. I can't do the Christy Cross. I never learned that. But <laughs> Christy <I>, Cross. <laughs> that's where you're going backwards and you're going like you're doing like the figure eight with your legs. Yeah, you got to. That's like. That's 201 kind of roller skating skills. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Look at you yeah. bringing college into it. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I, uh-huh. Blondie's a super weird band to like get into because like every like like they always go like two albums with kind of a sound and then just like radically change. Like I said, there there's two albums before this were like very like new wave and like punk inspired. And uh, then we get this and the album after it are like much more like uh, intentionally poppy because they brought in like a uh, West Coast uh, producer who they like famously like hated each other. Uh, Like the the, the bassist at one point, like famously threw a synthesizer at him during (laughs) recording (laughs) because he was, you know, trying to make this very like polished pop album because that's what makes money and they were all these punks who were like no this this isn't this isn't fun anymore fuck you this sucks <laughs> but but then after that they start getting like into like just like a, a ton of different weird experimental stuff they're like one of the first like mainstream rock bands to like try to incorporate rap uh it went fucking horribly that song is terrible <laughs> but they tried <laughs> like like even before like the Aerosmith stuff, which is what people like generally think of, but uh, but Blondie's just like one of those bands that doesn't really have a sound. They they were just kind of trying everything, and for the most part, have like a really surprisingly good track record. And like you guys were saying, this feels like an '80s song because like every '80s song was trying to be this. This is like mm. the. Kind of the origin point. This and uh, Donna Summers are like the origin point for synth pop in the eighties, and uh, yeah, I think that stuff does kind of a disservice to uh, the, this, which I think is a lot more interesting. Yeah, no disco. <laughs> no, we have no disco tracks. I mean, which... at the time, th- that song was actually marketed as a disco song because that was like the because synth pop didn't exist yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> Breaking new ground. But no, I, I do appreciate that there was like a, no ABBA, which I mean, there were, weren't terrible, but we have no ABBA and uh, no disco. And so, yeah, but I, I still think that we have a pretty nice, uh, diverse, eclectic mix. But uh, we actually have back to back Jake songs. What's this next one that you have for us? OK, next up, we're getting into some uh, punk rock or a jam band, if you, you ask Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, we're we're going to get into uh, the Ramones with "Here Today, Gone Tomorrow," uh, which is uh, off of "Rocket to Russia," which is also kind of a like big watershed album for this very important '70s band. And uh, yeah, unless you guys have anything to say, I think we'll uh, get into it. Uh, the year is 1977. And the Sex Pistols have just released their first and last album, Nevermind the Bollocks, bringing punk rock into the mainstream. But fuck those guys. Here's the Ramones with Here Today, Gone Tomorrow.
So jam bandy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as bad as you think. <laughs> well, Jared, tell us what you think. It's stupid jam bandy. <laughs> like it's 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 definitely not Jared's jam, but like I I think I may have heard that in like the background or some shit like that, so like I I'm just I don't know. Like it's just it's not it's not there. It's not what Jared digs. Man. Not a Ramones fan. So you never played like uh Guitar Hero or, or Rock Band or whatever and like just really got into a Ramones song. I've played no, Guitar Hero plenty, but I've never just like gotten into a Ramones band at all. <laughs> okay. Chris, like, what do you think of this one? I mean, that's like the most non Ramones Ramones song <laughs> of all time. Uh, that is why I picked it. <laughs> I, I I don't know if I've even heard that song to be honest. I I really like the Ramones. Um, not the Ramones song I would pick. I would pick like Rock and Roll High School. That's just a song is just great. But yeah, the Ramones are unique because they they they're they're kind of like ACDC. They had their own sound. They did exactly what they wanted to do. They sound everything sounds very similar, but it's still really good and authentic. And 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 I, I you know have all the time in the world for for bands like that. So yeah, well well uh, well picked, Mark. Yeah, uh, this is this is like uh, for I love the Ramones, but this is like this is like a Black Flag esque song for me. It's just it's too out of the. I like it, but it's it's when I think of the Ramones, like, yeah, I think of all the the fun stuff, and I think of the the, the three chords in a cloud of dust, <laughs> basic bitch stuff. But yes, I which is great, which is which is basic bitch because it's great. Pumpkin spice lattes are popular because people buy them and people love them. The the funnier Ramones stuff, people love. Yeah, and then, this is the same album with uh, uh, Sheena as a punk rocker mm-hmm. and uh, Rockaway Beach are like the two like really big hits from this album. But uh, I decided to go with this one and said, I knew I wanted this album and then listening to it again, uh, I decided to go with this one over those ones. So I'm like, well, everyone's kind of heard those songs like a million times. And I do think one of the things that like sets like this apart from earlier Ramon stuff is this is where they started to branch out a little bit from that like a uh, you know three chords all upstroke like <laughs> ki- kind of always the same song which i agree i also fucking love all of their hits but i i did want to uh like show a, a little bit of their range yeah and this definitely does show it i mean it it is great i i really like that you went a different direction with it i mean i think that people win they hear or they see or hear the name Ramones, they automatically have this thought process of what the song is going to be like. And this was drastically different from that. So I think it is a really good representation of, you know, that they have, they were capable of a different sound and more musicality than just, uh, you know, the status quo. So uh, I think it was a really good selection. Dug it quite a bit. Chris, your third song is up next. Yeah. So this is uh, Jesus Left Chicago um, by ZZ Top um, off of their Trace Hombres uh, album. I mean, probably their, I mean, it is their biggest album. Um, like the, the whole album is really, really good. I, I struggled putting this on there because this is like, um, this is really a twofer song. Like the, the, this song is almost never played by itself. 
uh, it's always paired um, with uh, um, waiting, waiting, um, waiting for the bus. And so I, I was going to leave them, put them both on there, just try to trick everybody. But I, I just, <laughs> I just, I just put this one on there. Cause obviously we have 20 songs to get through tonight, but um, Billy Gibbons tone is just, is just the best, you know, like, and every, it's another band's every iteration of, of the band is different. Their 80s stuff is very, they got that synthy kind of stuff, but I love that stuff too. And, but you know, if, you give me ZZ Top, it's got to be Trace Hombres. And you know, this song just is, I don't know, like the pinnacle of what they did is the more blues kind of shuffle, you know, little piece, little three-piece band from Texas, man. These guys just kick ass every mm-hmm. every step. I guess we're ready for factoid. The year is 1973, and the Sears Tower is completed, becoming the world's tallest building in Chicago. Here's ZZ Top's Jesus Just Left Chicago.
All right, Jared, lay it up. Lay it out. Apparently, my buttons don't want to work. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, ZZ Top is a band I've actually I grew up on. I love ZZ Top. I used to listen to it all the time with my dad, and it was fantastic. I absolutely love ZZ Top. I've never heard Jesus Left Chicago. I feel like this is one of the songs oh. my dad never played, and I kind of know why. It's, it's very subtle, like uh, drinking in a bar, like hanging out with all your buddies. And even mm-hmm. though I did kind of grow up in a bar, I think my dad would have been like, yeah, that's probably not a song for the boys. <laughs> well, one of the other songs on Trace Hombres is Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers. So. <laughs> Makes like, sense. <laughs> yeah. It, it, if you do like ZZ Top, just, just give this entire album. It was, it, it, the entire thing is is that good. Like I said, it was hard to pick. Uh, you know, waiting for the bus has got more of an iconic riff to it. Like in like Joe Bonamassa's cover of of that is just amazing. But I mean, ZZ Top is just the best. Absolutely. Yeah, musicality wise, this is more of kind of like the a blues standard, just like the the typical you know chord progression that you would expect from a blues. But definitely uh, ZZ Top vocals. Like you can, there's no mistaking. Uh, you know, a ZZ Top. So, it's like a great time. What's up, Mark? Go ahead. I was gonna say it's like a great time in a dive bar. It, Jared got it right for once. Jared's right. One time, <laughs> it's it's just like hanging out. You're just like getting shit faced, and you're like, this is like. Uh, I know there's no they, they aren't on the list, but this is like Rush. <laughs> you're, you're there. It's playing, and you're like, all right, this is cool. I, I wouldn't listen to this at home, but it fits the vibe right now. Speaking of Rush, I, I wasn't going to bring him up, but I'm glad you did. I could have, obviously, <laughs> 70s Rush, I could have filled this into that list, with, but I figured everybody was, I don't want everybody to hate me, and I've already done my Rush thing before, so I have stain <laughs> for you, fellas. I, I, I was joking with Eric this week on, on my on my podcast where he co-hosts uh, on a sports talk show. I don't know how we got sidetracked, but it was, I was like, you know what? I heard this song and I was like, I was like, I love this song. Who is this man? I'm like, how come I've never, how come I hear this song all the time? And it's not in any of my lists. And I'm like, Oh, it's a rush. And I'm like, I'm not that old. I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm not there yet. But then you realize you're like, no, I'm there. I'm past there. <laughs> this is <laughs> like the sweet embrace of death. Like it's, it, this is coming for you. <laughs> if you're a male well, and you're over 35, the sweet embrace of Rush is coming for you. It's just a matter of time. A little moving freight train. Just lay in the middle of it. Lay in the middle of the tracks and enjoy the ride, man. Yeah, you're, you're either born with it in your DNA. Like, uh, Jake, you're a big Rush guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're, like, it's, you're either born with it in your DNA. And, and, and by the time everyone else arrives, you're like, where have you guys been? Or, like me, you just you age into it. <laughs> Nothing wrong with either way. There's more yeah, there's fighting, kicking, screaming. There's room on the train for anybody who wants to listen to more Rush. Man, just embrace it, put it on play, and just go about your business, mm-hmm. man. I think that's how you determine if a kid's going to grow up to be a bass player. You just like put a kid down and make them listen to Rush, and if they like it, they're either going to be a drummer <laughs> or a bass player. It's it's just how it works. <laughs> Why well, I'm here. <laughs> so jake what's your uh thoughts on this song uh yeah i mean th- this is like th- th- this is my era of zz top i'm definitely a lot less into their later 80s stuff but uh yeah trace home rise is just hate like, the synth man we're gonna have to oh man you're in for a world of hurt next episode <laughs> 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 but yeah this, this is just uh like 
really good, really solid blues rock. Like it's there's nothing really to complain about it. It's just so well done and and so well crafted. Great. All right. Well, Jake, uh, this is uh, your selection. What are we hearing now? Uh, next up, we're going to get into some new wave with some uh, talking heads. And I think we're just going to go uh, straight into it because the year is 1979 and the USSR has invaded Afghanistan. Here's the talking heads with life during wartime.
bought some groceries, peanut butter and jelly. Never thought I'd hear that in a song. <laughs> <laughs> that, that 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 was some uh yeah, uh wow, I didn't know lyrics could be that great in the seventies. Let's write a song about buying groceries, yeah hey. Jared, uh, you you really have to listen to all the lyrics, buddy. Yeah, kind of got to listen to all the lyrics. I mean, it, it makes sense too, you know. Picks and chooses what he wants to hear. This well, is like I'm, like, look, I gotta like pay attention to something during this, and it's very interesting to hear. I bought some groceries, peanut butter and jelly, and it's just like it stuck out. I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's the thing that we first, do. First now. of all, it's not peanut butter and jelly. It's peanut butter. It's no jelly. <laughs> Okay, it's peanut like what? What like like like? Okay, bro, like that's uh that's some lyrics that you that you okay. Yeah. <sighs> I'm, I'm down digging Jake, it down down. Go ahead and defend your song, my man. Well, first I have to ask though, how tempted were you to double down and bring Psycho Killer back because of that incredible <laughs> baseline? <laughs> I mean, like that's the thing about the Talking Heads; they're all incredible baselines. I've been like in love with tina weymouth since i was like 12 years old she is one of the absolute best like just talking heads are a phenomenal new wavy band but fit into a ton of different genres but that that rhythm section that tina laid down is always what hooks you it's 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 the it's the foundation of every talking head song and like very few new wave. I'm not a huge new wave guy, but the and I think part of it is because the talk because Talking Heads were so good. They, they there was their musicality and uh, David Byrne is kind of a goofball, but but his the way that he kind of gets out of the way of the bass and his kind of like staccato lyrics and and the way he delivers is perfect for what they they did. Like they're just they're they're a different level than than bands of that of that ilk. Stigato for the un Stigato. Yeah, for the stupid. What does that mean? So Stigato is, is like a, a very punctuated like dut 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 like legato is like very long and, and kind of drawn out one note kind of flows in and out. Staccato is this very kind of syncopated thing. So David Burns his that's how his lyric style is and it he goes really know what well syncopated means bass lines because that's that's what she did she's just an awesome bass player i don't i don't you can't use ten dollar words with ten dollar <laughs> he doesn't understand he doesn't know syncopated either, i get so about yes. half of the five dollar words out there all right if you throw me a two dollar bill every once in a while i got your back i got you i can hang tight but you okay. throw you throw tens and twenties at me fucking cool bro like good story i'm happy for you i'm sad for you whatever it was however you want to take that brother go to www.google.com nope and then look it up you know what happened the last time i googled something we lost 30 minutes of a recording well i'm not saying do it now that is true yeah because of your damn hot buttons which you don't have those, or hot keys or you don't have those anymore though yeah i have a stream deck now so we don't have to worry about that so now you can google it I can. Or, or, no, it wasn't Google. It was a calculator. You're trying to figure out yeah. how. Well, no, I guess it was prompted by Google because you were trying to see how long of a time had, how much time had passed. It was. But, it was some trivial nonsense that I thought would be a good little segue into something, and then it wasn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> Mark, what's your uh, like? Uh, 
I love the talking heads. Love this one. It, it, it's, it's one of my, it, it, they're, they're one of the bands that I get. I think of them just like Blondie. I think of them eighties, but it, you're right. They're right there in the seventies. It just feels so eighties to me. Sometimes this one's a little bit different. This is more in there. This is one of their better ones. I think I really like this one. Well, their sound is so much, you know, new wave definitely uh, took off into the eighties, certainly. And so their sound, you know, just like Blondie way ahead of their time. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm noticing a theme with the Jake's is that his uh, selections for the seventies are, are transcendent that were still kind of relevant. I mean, obviously still today, but definitely uh, in the eighties, they were still getting, you know, pretty heavy rotation. So. Well, I, I think that when we get to the the 80s, you'll see there there's so much repetitiveness. Like there was just pre there was taking what existed, changing it up to pre to package it a different way, and then and then manipulate it. And you can see a, a lot of the the better stuff from the 70s pops up in the 80s in like weird, gross ways. Like take Madonna, for example. And I mean, I, I think that always happens too. I think we tend to think of decades like they're these like self-contained things, but Obviously, they're they're not. These trends don't really follow like specific year lines the way that we like to try to classify them. So, which makes it like realistically, the idea of like an eighty sound doesn't really make sense. It's part of why I wanted to make sure like every year is covered in these, because even like the difference between like an early seventies and a late seventies song is as different as like getting into another decade. These lines are like completely arbitrary but we put a lot of like cultural stock in them because it's an easy pattern to follow so jake what you're telling me is that this was a bad idea to do this by decades and what (laughs) and the and the audience apparently agrees (laughs) (laughs) well 80s i mean again every decade builds on itself but 80s took what the 70s did and produced it to the nth degree Right, they made it much more um, commercially viable in some regards because it it was selling. I mean, advertisements kicked up, right? So, like, you saw like this real shine on things, even though like punk rock, like the Clash, who I don't like at all, but like that they consider that punk rock, but but it's not at all, right? Like it's 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 pop, but. That that was the spirit of punk rock in the seventies, you know, Dead Kennedys, Sex Pistols, that type of thing. Clash just made it commercial. To me, made it worse. But like that's what the eighties did is they took what this vibe was, made it real shiny and and unique or digestible to the masses. You know, whether you like that or not, I, I personally love the 80s. It's my it's one of my it's probably my favorite decade of music, honestly, um, because it's just so different. I love 80s music as well, but I mean, I completely understand exactly what you're saying. Like, I mean, for it was just ultra produced for better and for worse. I mean, there's a lot of cases where you can say that, that I mean, completely ruined it just because you overproduced it. And then there's cases, obviously, where it's just like this song, you know, definitely needed the 80s kind of treatment and all the additional production value that the 80s, you know, afforded it. So, but I mean, we'll get to that in the 80s. Let's see. <laughs> uh, any other... Uh, follow-ups things to like during wartime or anything about talking heads uh, i had one more thing to add uh, for this alternate in particular and that is that it is like a specific like intentional 
uh like looking at all of the like terrorism and like in the uk like borderline civil war going on that was like the inspiration was looking at like why are there suddenly like every country has these like active like domestic terrorist cells doing stuff in the 70s uh which i think makes it like a really good like especially coming at the end of the decade like look at like a, a part of that decade that kind of gets overlooked when you're looking at the western world mm -hmm. well like we we tend to focus on like you know what was going on in the middle east with like the iran hostage situation and stuff and kind of ignore that like like a, uh with the patty hearst thing like she was abducted by a terrorist cell that brainwashed her into robbing a bank like in the uk like there were bombings like monthly like th this was just kind of the norm in the 70s in a weird way that i don't think people really talk about enough yeah but was it really that bad <laughs> <laughs> only two all right well so uh we got my final three selections here right in a row i mean we're getting pretty eric heavy with uh, with my selections here um this first one is magic man by heart it's from 1975 from the album dreamboat annie uh it's from their debut album written and composed by Anne and nancy wilson the song is sung from the viewpoint of a young girl being seduced by an older man much to the chagrin of her mother who calls and begs the girl to come home in an interview and Wilson revealed that the Magic Man was her then-boyfriend, who was the original guitarist turned band manager, Michael Fisher, and that part of the song was an autobiographical tale of the beginnings of the relationship, and had followed him to Canada during the Vietnam War years so that he wouldn't get drafted. And then in 1974, Nancy Wilson and sister joined the band, and Fisher became their manager and sound engineer. The song is about being madly in love to the point where you're not thinking clearly. It was their first top 10 hit in the U.S., it debuted an entire year earlier in Canada than it did in the U.S. It peaked at number nine in the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, the reason I chose it is, and I know that uh, Jake will agree because he was going to choose a song from this album as well. It's They're just such a great, uh, incredibly underrated, in my opinion, and underappreciated band. I mean, sure, people know their hits, you know, Barracuda, Crazy on You, These Dreams, but uh, for an opening track, this, in my opinion, is a, just a great introduction to not only a phenomenal record, but by a phenomenal band that really didn't get a fair shake. And sure, I mean, it's hard to argue uh, that they're underrated because they've been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, you know, again, it's kind of hard. But uh, I think if their record label focused more on the art itself instead of trying to push the narrative that they were lesbian lovers instead of sisters, uh, heart. Uh, they could have possibly had more hits, stronger release sales, even more of an impact on rock and influenced even more artists. Uh, at the risk of building the song up too much for those that haven't heard it, I think it's amazing. It's one of my favorites, not just from heart, not just from the 1970s, but in general. Let's hear it after Jake's Nugget. The year is 1975 and the Vietnam War has ended. Here's Heart with Magic Man.
Jared, what were you laughing at? That was so rapey. What? <laughs> that song sounded so rapey. No. Yes. Yes. There was a lot of like. Don't don't make it gross. I'm not. Ma- what are you trying? You ask me my opinion. <laughs> I'm gonna give you my opinion. It sounded very rapey. As a big fan of that song, I'm kind of gonna side with Jared. Oh bit. my god. <laughs> Guys, do ruin this for me. (laughs) Listen, especially within rock, a lot of music from the 60s and 70s is exactly like super caught up in like very creepy, like sexual assault stuff. Almost always from a male perspective. I think that's, I think it actually makes this song better and more interesting that it is a woman like singing autobiographically about these experiences that were very common at the time like largely because of like the the free love hippie stuff of the 60s and a lot of it is rapey and fucked up (laughs) all right this is a love like this okay so this is i cut this out i'm trying to make the introduction a little bit shorter but i feel like (laughs) now i have to defend it because this is what ann had said she said quote now it's looking it's like looking back on a love affair of the past from this great distance it's pretty interesting to look back on all that naivete and just what it's like when you fall in love for the first time. It's so powerful, it becomes a lifestyle. That song is a leaving home song for me, so I always sing it as my 21-year-old self, just taking off into the world, end quote. So it's falling in love. It's not like she was completely manipulated and was, like, assaulted against her will. Like, this is a... She was young and in love and left to, you know, be with this guy so they didn't get drafted to go off to war to get murdered, essentially. Like, now, I, I understand that, and I know, but I do think, like, t- taking the song just at face value, I I, I can see Jared's point. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, so, I mean, if, if we're gonna, if we're gonna take it at face value, which we typically do, um, yeah, like, he's a magic man, oh, he's got the magic hands. Like, if no, we're talking, no. now, if no, we're talking no. about a girl who is, like, 16, 17, at that young age, where mama's like, hey, come on home, girl, like, that she is... She was not. She was no, not 16, no, no, 17. No, 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 the, the, the weird moral wokeness here is, is gross, because it, it's, it's, first of all, we're not taking it at face value. It's a piece of art. It, this isn't, like, a, <laughs> some Joyce, you know what I mean? It's, you're, you're, <laughs> you're projecting so much onto it. Uh, I think that's I think that's what this particular song does. If if you hear all that and you read all that, you've taken so many jumps already to get to that point. I think that says more about the where that take is coming from than that take having any validity whatsoever. Well, look, I, I will I will take it back now that she is of age in the tale. But when I hear <laughs> when I hear the oh you know like Mama says come on home like to me that's like. A, 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 a little girl like you know back in the day i know that was really big like 15 16 year old girls would run off with dudes who were like 20 i mean what was that what was that uh the movie with matthew mcconaughey they the cool thing is as i get older they stay the same age all right all right all right days and, and confused yeah days and yeah. confused so like i know it was kind of the time but like that's what i got out of the song and if i'm wrong i'm wrong and then i retract all the statements but it still sounds pretty goddamn you, bad jared you know my stance on sexual assault and things of that nature certainly me of all people would not have selected that song 
if it was something that had any kind of thing to do with that or if she was underage at all. She was 21. She was in love with this guy and went with him. It was just her mom thinking that she was rushing into things too soon and saying, maybe you shouldn't be living in a foreign country with a guy just so he can avoid being drafted by the war. And I also miss you. So it's a comeback home from that kind of standpoint. Think about what you're doing, living in a different country, not like, hey, this guy is, you know. Yeah, mom going to assault you chris what do you think about this song i think after the decades we should do all pro rape songs that'll get get people absolutely not (laughs) i I, listen i i can see both sides of it it certainly doesn't sound like a rapey song to me um but like I, i mean heart there's many different iterations of heart as well. I like the eighties heart too. I still, I mean, that stuff is like kind of like the videos are pretty cringeworthy because they kind of like reduce themselves to hair and pointy guitars yeah. and stuff. When, when like, uh, Ann Wilson or Nancy is just a phenomenal guitar player. Anne's one of the greatest singers, female singers of all time, you know, heart came out of this kind of gritty kind of weird, seattle scene back in the day when there wasn't much of anything and there's just really really good and um i think they're probably underappreciated in a lot of ways like you said eric um and this has always been just a really really good songs not my favorite heart song of all time but like just a really really good representation of um of 70s rock for sure Mark, I know that you kinda... when, when there wasn't female rock, like I mean, let's go back right. to that, right? Like there there wasn't female um bands doing what Hart was doing. Those yeah, certainly not a lot, no. We're paving kind of new roads. And you know, so for that, uh in the 70s when things were kind of starting to be hypersexualized and things like that, them doing stuff like this and kind of turning the narrative around a little bit, I think is extremely, extremely important. For sure. Mark, you kind of came to my defense initially. So I think that you have at least an affinity or like, thank you for backing me up. But what are, what's your thoughts on the song? Or yeah, well, the it, and I'll tell you, like, I, I'm not a fan of the song. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I will gladly uh, stand, you know, fight for your rights to, to be terrible, but yeah, I cannot co-sign this one. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's definitely not about rape. It's, 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 but it's very, very, it's a little contrived. It's a little theatrical. Definitely not my favorite. Again, this is 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 firmly in the seventies, but I've heard so many knockoffs knockoffs of this in the eighties that it's kind of it gets downgraded and not not and it's unfair. It's unfair, but because you've heard so many bad versions of this later on. It, it kind of makes you not like the source code, but th- there's nothing, there's nothing rapey about a piece of art. It's, it doesn't work like that, by the way. That's just, it's, uh, it's a uh, bigoted pop culture thinking. <laughs> I don't know about that, Jake, but we'll move on from that. Cause that, that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> it certainly is. But wait, I... Eric is. Eric is absolutely correct. Like, that that is not what this song is about, but I can get what why Jared, not having any background, would think that's what it's about. But uh, yeah, Heart is like up there, like what one of my like all time favorite like classic rock bands. But I love Heart, and I think Dreamboat Annie especially is like up there, just like one of the greatest rock albums of all time, in my opinion. It's 
like every song on it is absolutely perfect yeah definitely agree okay uh, <laughs> the second of my three in a row um this is one that certainly everybody's heard but i mean this is the most pumpkin spice of any pumpkin slice uh <laughs> selection that i've chosen here but i felt like we couldn't have a 70s playlist without this band i mean they're so uh like of a time and place it's it's definitely like there's nothing more 70s than the band boston and um the song more than a feeling uh it was released as the lead single from their debut album in september of 1976 uh it entered entered the Billboard Hot 100 on September 18th, peaked at number five, now a staple of classic rock radio. It was named the 39th best hard rock song of all time by VH1. Uh, it's been included in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's 500 songs that shape rock and roll. Uh, and it's number 212 on Rolling Stone's 500 greatest songs of all time. The song took writer-guitarist Tom Scholz five years to complete Schultz wrote the lyrics based on the idea of losing someone close and on the way in which music can connect a person to memories of the past, though not based on any specific event in Schultz's life. He did take the name Marianne from his cousin. It's one of six songs, five of which eventually appeared on that debut album that he worked on in his basement from 1968 to 1975 before they got the record contract. Tom Schultz took a leave of absence from his job at Polaroid to complete the album, but went back to work after it was released, uh, because disco was big and he wasn't sure if a rock record would find an audience. Uh, he got very excited when coworkers would summon him to let him know that more than a feeling was playing on the radio. And after that happened a few times, he was confident enough to quit his day job and pursue music uh, full time. Why I chose it in addition to it being one of Megan's favorites. So I'm pandering a bit. I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's an iconic 70s song in general. I felt like we had to have some Boston representation. Like I said, this is, it's one of the stereotypical 70s albums and songs, uh, but I don't think that it makes it any less impactful. I mean, I think in uh, even hearing it dozens or hundreds or possibly even thousands of times if you grew up having to listen to classic rock radio, um, I think that the song still hits and still kicks ass. So after Jared's or Jake's Nugget, let's give a listen to you more than a feeling about Jake. The year is 1976, and the Boston Celtics have won the NBA Finals. Let's celebrate with Boston's More Than a Feeling. Nice.
How are you going to ruin this one for me, Jared? I'm not. I thought Jake ruined it with the Boston Celtics, Celtics reference. <laughs> for you, Eric, at least. I can't really ruin this song. Like, it's a good song. It's all right. I I can't ruin this one. I can. Okay. Go ahead. So Go it, it. It's a good song, but if I hear this song one more time, like, it is... It's an earworm, but I'll be damned. I, I, I hum along to it every time, even though I hate myself for doing it. Like, it's, it's just, it's, it's one of those songs that is so vanilla to me. But, like, the Boston has their own, their own um, sound. People love them. They're very influential because Tom made his own amps, pedals, and stuff like that. He has a very unique sound. I admire that. It's just not for me. And anytime I hear it, it's an instant turn. Like I just like this with crazy train paradise city. Welcome to the jungle. There, I, I, <laughs> can't find that <laughs> I can't find the next button or the channel button any quicker. So fair enough. I mean, I get that it's uh, incredibly popular and really played out, but yeah, I don't something's going really weird with your audio there, Mark. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with that. I'm gonna agree with all of that, but I gotta say, like uh the uh I don't wanna hold against a song you know, like it's been played a lot. I, I think that's kind of bunk, but I never liked this song, just like I never liked Don't Stop Believing. Like I hear it, I've always hated it in the every time you hear it, you just hate it more and more and more and more. And then you're like, and then you get to the point where you're like, why is somebody playing this so goddamn much? <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's, 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 I never, them sticks, Ario Speedwagon, just like, that's like my blind spot. I just never, I never found any enjoyment in that mid level right there. Like, give me something harder. Give me some ACDC or give me something funkier, but like, don't give me, don't give me white toast, man. 
Don't give me white caps. <laughs> Fair enough. Jake, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I'm pretty much in agreement with Chris and Mark. It's, <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a bad song by any stretch of the imagination, but I, like even trying actively to focus on it, like I just, it's just, I've heard it so many times and there's, Nothing quite there that hooks me enough the way some pop songs do that I, I just like I find myself drifting anytime that song's played. Like I, I physically can't focus on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it's fair enough. I mean I, I get it. Um but yeah, no, I, I still like it. I, I I think I have the opposite reaction to Chris. Like whenever because we tend to if especially if we go on kind of longer trips i just have so much music on my phone that we just typically just put everything on shuffle and this is one like if it does come up we have to let it play you know because we we both enjoy it so it's something that yeah we're certainly not like seeking the the next track button like when it comes up it's like it's kind of like a a cool thing like oh sweet well we know what we're listening to for the next you know three and a half minutes or whatever it is so but i get it i get all those things but in my mind, for me, for my age, like this is like Red Hot Chili Peppers for me. Like Red Hot Chili Peppers popped on the radio. I'd be like, all right, cool. I can live with this. Like I'm not be reaching for the, the next button or change the station. But at the same time, I'm like, there's nothing I'm going to get. There's not real enjoyment I'm going to get out of a Red Hot Chili Peppers song. I'm just going to get some some time used. That's because all That's the time. not terrible. Because <laughs> the only Pepper songs they play on the radio is Under the Bridge and anything off of California Cation. Mm-hmm. Oh, California! Like, th- those songs make you want to drift into the other lane, or Danny <laughs> California, or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah that's the just, other one. Just run off a bridge, man! Like uh, under the bridge, and then go under it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I'm not saying like Boston is like that for me, for that bad for me, but like, yeah, I don't want to get into a Chili Peppers thing, but those, those. No, because they have such other great songs. Like, play something, anything other than those, and you'd be fine. No. (laughs) (laughs) That's what DJ's saying. All right. So, uh, all right, next one. Here's my final selection. It's uh, Rhiannon by Fleetwood Mac. It's from 1975. It was uh, written by Stevie Nicks, originally recorded by the British-American rock band Fleetwood Mac on their eponymous album in 1975. Nix discovered the Rhiannon character in the early 1970s through a novel called Triad by Mary Bartlett Leader. The novel is about a woman named Bronwyn who is possessed by a witch named Rhiannon. There's mention of the Welsh Welsh legend of Rhiannon in the novel, but the characters in the novel bear little resemblance to their original Welsh namesakes. Uh, Nix told Mojo in 2013, quote, it wasn't until 1978 that I found out about the... Mabingonian and that Bronwyn and Rhiannon are in there too and that Rhiannon wasn't a witch at all she was a mythological queen but my story was definitely written about a celestial being I didn't know who Rhiannon was exactly but I knew that she was not of this world she added I didn't write Rhiannon for commerciality I wrote Rhiannon because I loved her name and I loved her story I didn't write her to be sold she simply is not for sale and has never been end quote she said many times that Rhiannon is one of her favorite songs. She would sometimes refer to the song as she rather than as a song. When asked by a journalist at Rolling Stone in 1979 why she does this, she says, quote, well, because I don't know why. She's some sort of reality. If I didn't know she was a mythical character, I would think that she lived down the street, end quote. 
It's been voted as the uh, number 488 in the 500 greatest songs of all time by Rolling Stone. Why I chose it, uh, Stevie Nicks has such a mystical singing voice. It's powerful, but can be delicate at times as well. It's uh, incredibly distinct. Uh, the songs that where she has the lead always stand out to me more. And in my opinion, are the most uh, memorable Fleetwood Mac offerings. This is another one that, uh, while being incredibly popular, still feels like it's underrated to me. Like if you ask casual 70s music fans to name Fleetwood Mac songs, you'll definitely hear the chain, go your own way, dream, Silver Springs, et cetera, like that. But it might be a while before you actually get down to Rhiannon. And while all of those are great and Landslide is an all time favorite of mine, which I was going to choose the Smashing Pumpkins version for the uh, covers episode. And it was like one of the last ones in the chopping block. No Stevie Nicks pen song stands out more to me than Rhiannon. And let's give it a listen after Jake's trip. The year is 1975. And as the UK joins the European Union, American singer Stevie Nicks has joined UK's Fleetwood Mac. Let's hear Rhiannon.
All right, Jared, let it rip. Hard pass. <laughs> okay. Hard pass. It's, <laughs> it's just so toned down and just like I kind of wanted to take a nap right there, but then I'm like, <laughs> I have to mute my microphone. I have to mute Zoom. I have to push the buttons. I just fine, fine. Wow. All <laughs> right, Chris. Um, Let's yeah, I've heard that song a billion times. I, I had no idea it was named Rhiannon. I, I, I don't know why. That was just a song that I never cared to look that further, much deeper into. I do like Fleetwood Mac. Um, such an insult. No, I just there. There's actually a lot of classic rock songs or songs that I just I don't know the names of them or you know whatever. I knew it was obviously Fleetwood Mac, and yeah, I dig the song. It's not my favorite. It's not a hard pass for me. Well, I feel like of... if you're just like, oh, that's cool. All right, next. Like that's kind of like, it's like a fart in the wind, right? Like it's yeah, it's there, but you know. <laughs> Mark, <laughs> well, first of all, you, you, you got to stop going to Jared first. We're trying to, we have to climb our way out of a hole every single time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, because he he all is so dismissive, yeah. like, and I don't want him to like try to like parrot, uh, pun intended anybody would... else's comments uh because he'd be like if he's trying to be nicer he's gonna wait until someone says something nice and he'd be like oh yeah like mark said you know uh, it wasn't my favorite but blah blah blah, blah. like if it, i, I if want it his honest what i want to say if it matches what i want to say i'm gonna say it sometimes you guys put it way more <laughs> eloquently than i can see i got a five dollar word chris Ooh, there you go well, <laughs> well he would mac exactly. i think it's like, like a three dollar fifty cent go word. fuck yourself <laughs> <Eric>. <laughs> We want some change back there. <laughs> Mark, go ahead. Sorry. Well, with, with, as far as Fleetwood Mac, I do think you need to do have some Fleetwood Mac bona fides in order to get to this one. This is probably like the 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 second tier of Fleetwood Mac songs. Like you go, oh, okay, well, you actually like Fleetwood Mac. So it's it's definitely one of the, the, the good ones. There's a lot better ones, though. I mean, definitely. I think this is one of the better ones that's underplayed. So mm -hmm. if, if you like the other Fleetwood Mac songs, you're probably more likely to like this one. But if if you think of Fleetwood Mac as like elevator or grocery store music, which is crazy that we're in this era where that would be considered that, then this probably one isn't for you. I love this. One. I love Fleetwood Mac. Thank you. Yeah, I, I did try it. Well, because I had Born to Run, because I had more than a feeling. And to, you know, to some level, Ain't No Sunshine and Magic Man, I tried to, you know, I, I knew that I wanted Fleetwood Mac. I knew that I wanted something that Stevie Nicks had written. Um, you know, Landslide was certainly uh, up there, but I, I definitely did want to go with a little bit more obscure. The same thing that like uh, Jake was doing uh, with uh, with the Ramones and everything. Let's go a little bit different direction. Like I was saying, I it's a popular song. Certainly it, it gets uh, plays on classic rock radio, but, you know, definitely not to the extent that those other more more popular songs get so jake i saved you for last because i i don't know for certain but i kind of feel like at least you have an appreciation for stevie nicks so uh of wrong? course i do eric i, I love i love uh, and i will say like I, I also like i love pre stevie nicks fleetwood mac as well i think if i had to choose between the two i would take fleetwood mac as a whole over just like stevie nicks uh both with Fleetwood Mac and as a solo artist, but uh, yeah, I mean that this uh, I I agree with kind of what everyone's saying. Like this is a good Fleetwood Mac song. Like it, it's not the top of my list, but it's it's definitely one that I enjoy every time I hear it. Very good. 
I'm glad I can get someone to appreciate it. So now I get to <laughs> I get to turn uh, over to actually uh, Jake's got the next two. So what do you have on the docket for us now, sir? Okay, uh, next up, we're going to get into Showdown by Thin Lizzy, which was a last minute substitution for a different Thin Lizzy song. As I realized that I'd uh, mislabel one of Mark's songs, so we don't have a 1974 song. But I, I was like, as soon as I realized that, I was like, okay, like uh, Nightlife came out in 1974. Like, I, I know one of a couple songs that uh, I'll go with from that album. Uh, it's, uh, Th- Thin Lizzy is one of those bands that I grew up hating, like, <laughs> vehemently, uh, basically entirely because of The Boys Are Back in Town, which in my <laughs> mind was the only Thin Lizzy song. <laughs> Uh, then uh, when I got older actually the same friend that I mentioned uh, in the Yeah Yeah Yeah's episode that got me into that band like uh, sold me on uh, more obscure Thin Lizzy stuff and from there I like got super into them and now they're like one of my favorite like classic rock bands Nice. and uh, we're, we're going to be listening to like I mentioned a song from Nightlife which is a weird outlier in Thin Lizzy's discography which is all pretty straightforward rock except for this one album uh, which has like a lot of blues and soul influence which made it at the time very unpopular but it's one of those albums that like now looking back on it people talk about like oh no this actually was really good like everyone was just shitting on it because they were expecting something so different at the time Mm -hmm. so without further ado The year is 1974, and the British government passes the Terrorist Prevention Act in an attempt to crack down on the IRA. Here's Thin Lizzy with Showdown.
Let me go first. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're waiting. I never heard this song before, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and one, one thing I love about doing a podcast with Jake is like, I never worried like my pick is going to be too obscure or weird because I'm like, he'll definitely pick something weirder. <laughs> it, it provides great <laughs> cover for me, and I love him for it. <laughs> and I really dig it. I always dig it when it's really weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe this is the same group that does The Boys Are Back in Town. It blows my mind. Yeah. It makes me so angry how much popular that song is <laughs> compared to the rest of their discography. So angry. <laughs> Thin Lizzy's a, an interesting band because, yeah, they, they get overplayed a lot. Boys Are Back in Town and, and Jailbreak, which I still really like that song. But, um, they can get really heavy too. Like, listen to like Chinatown, like that song just rips your face off. And, <laughs> and and then they have slow stuff like this. But this song highlights Phil Line is his bass. Like so, Jared Staccato. You know that bass is going do do. Yep. And everything was do do do. Like that's staccato, but everything else was kind of flowing behind it. But the Phil Line was a master at that. Like he had these really punchy, he basically, I mean, he, he's the singer and played bass player. So he kind of led that band um, in that, in that way. Um, just an absolutely monster player um, gone way too soon. Like they were just, they were, they were very versatile. And this is a, this is honestly one of my favorite Thin Lizzy songs because of that. It still rocks a little bit at the end. Mm -hmm, definitely but it just it, it's it's got this real good soul that they had that unfortunately not a lot of people know that thin lizzie's a band that's much bigger out of the united states than in this in the states 
um they were massive i mean i mean obviously they're from from ireland so like they were really really big over there and then they they did break here but they really only broke with boys are back in town and had some minor hits other than that but criminally underrated band good pick jake thank you i agree jared you haven't weighed in no i don't want to weigh in i'm I'm gonna feel like a dick if i do because apparently this song means quite a lot to the the three of you that matter in this podcast right now um (laughs) Wow. It's for you to decide who does not matter. But yeah, I just, I don't know. It just, I don't want to shit on the song too much because you guys apparently all have a very strong connection. And I know it's not what Eric wanted, but I just, I, I can't give it a thumbs up, man. Jared's, he's he's fighting so hard. He, he desperately, desperately wants that text message of his own. <laughs> No, I, I, I really don't care to get a text message right now. I just showdown was a, a showdown of laziness. It just it felt soft. It felt very, very weak to me. Fine. You want it. You got it. I didn't like it <laughs> to Chris's point. Like he's got a point like I can I can understand the structure and I can really appreciate where the song is coming from and how it how it sounds and how it feels and, and just the overall just beat of the song. That's cool. That's great. And all fuck dude like i want to fall asleep man like and i've got like 600 milligrams caffeine coursing through my veins right now okay i am like (laughs) trying not to pass out jared in in lizzie's defense go listen to chinatown i've listened to chinatown what's that i've listened to chinatown i like chinatown yeah so i wouldn't judge if if you're not into this it's totally cool but man there's some killer kick-ass rocking tunes from thin lizzie's too thin lizzie does have a good catalog however showdown is just like i need i need some uppities because i'm like i am hot i am on fire it is like 72 degrees in my house and i feel like it's 90 that's how much caffeine i have going through me and i want to take a nap okay (laughs) well you got five more left to go (laughs) nothing nothing will get your 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 uh heart going like this next tune oh goody Yeah, not for something completely different. <laughs> you thought that was slow. Oh my God. <laughs> I gotta go pee. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the next song is uh, also mine. And uh, it's So Long, Frank Lloyd Wright by Simon and Garfunkel from uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water, their last album. Uh, and I specifically chose this because uh, much like the Santana song, which I said felt much more like a 60s song, this feels like the perfect, like, th- th- this is a goodbye to the 60s song, uh, which is also, like, relevant because this song is, like, explicitly Paul Simon writing to Art Garfunkel about, like, their band breaking up. <laughs> this is essentially a breakup song to Art Garfunkel. Uh, which he did not realize at the time. Melted off, Jared. Your so, face uh, will just melt. <laughs> Let's get into the face melting Simon Garfunkel <laughs> tunes. Uh, the year is 1970, and California adopts the nation's first no fault divorce law. Speaking of divorce, here Simon and Garfunkel's "So Long, Frank Lord White." So good. So. Frank Lloyd Wright I can't believe your song is gone so soon 
merely learned the tune so soon, so soon. I'll remember Frank Lloyd Wright All of the nights we'd harmonize till dawn I never laughed so long, so long, so long Architects make a man, architects make a when Never change your point of view When I run dry, I stop a while and think of you typically like songs with flute solos <laughs> but i'm gonna make an exception for that one you oh, with me on. jared you, you like jethro tall don't you <laughs> not really oh no? uh, you just he made it like aqua lung but other than that <laughs> jared did you have your face melted off by the flute and the bongos and I was going to make the joke before you had a chance to make it. And he kept saying so long and you were going to say, yes, the song was so long, so long. 
Oh, he's not even contributing. Okay, cool. I'm so <laughs> tired right now. I don't. <laughs> that was that was that was worthless. Uh, I want the last uh, three minutes and forty two seconds of my life back, and I would appreciate that. Thank you, and have a great rest of your day. I'm gonna uh, check, please. <laughs> Mark, I did not. I mean, I I am not a fan. <laughs> I mean, it was, just of the song of Simon and Garfunkel in general. No, I, I love Simon and Garfunkel. I love America. America is like one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, I love all their their other hit stuff too. Uh, this one is just I. Uh, it's just it's Paul Simon being so indulgent and masturbatory. Like compared to the rest of their, their catalog, <laughs> it's about him. It's so meta. It's so it's so. Sometimes, like Paul Simon's a genius. But sometimes he could just be gross. Like he can be so Randy Newman. Sometimes. <laughs> wow! <laughs> That's not a that is not a ringing endorsement. Like really, it's not. I like I don't want to. I don't want to sound weird or i don't want it to be weird but like it sounds like Too it was like, a gay love song like he was like falling out of love and like this was a an apology to his old boyfriend that like his new one was better i guess like your song was there and then it was gone and i had only just memorized it it's like well you were cute and then i found you know tony over here so i mean in a way i mean it was an intimate relationship it, it was a partnership for sure that had you know was coming to an end so like i mean <laughs> Well, similar to no, LL, cool, similar to LL Cool J's song, uh, "Big Old Butt." Brenda's got a big old butt, so I'm leaving exactly like that. Exactly like that. <laughs> Two peas in a pod. Just on, just on. I can't tell you how many times I've heard Simon Garfunkel uh, <laughs> equated with LL Cool J. I, yeah. all the time. So they should tour times. together. Really, they really should. <laughs> Incredible. I hate my life. <laughs> Can we Darren, get to the part? Do, do you never do you never just like listen to relaxing music? You don't know what you don't want to know what my relaxing music is, okay? <laughs> like my... I have a feeling it's it's just porn, like just it's just a soundtrack from porn i'm guessing no 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 no. (laughs) i've only fallen asleep with my dick in a hand a few times no like like my my relaxing music is just not this this does not calm me down all right like this (laughs) this this is like the shit that my parents play and i love my mom and i love my dad and i love my stepdad to death but fucking like guys, like we gotta we gotta bring it up here, all right? Like I, I'm five hours into a twelve hour drive, and like somebody else has gotta take the wheel now, all right? Well, I mean, like people that listen almost exclusively to heavy metal and the kind of metal that that Jared is prone to listening to, especially like with uh, what is it, thirty six crazy fist, like the hype metal kind of stuff. You're gonna have to get. You know, the, the, that kind of stuff really just amps you up. And so if that's all that you're pretty much used to listening to, like my buddy Jorge that I mentioned that got me turned on to Children of Bodom, like he actually thinks like Angels Don't Kill is like a slow song. Like like that kind of, he think he listens to Children of Bodom as a change of pace because he's like, oh, this is like melodic. Like this is my rustful metal. It's like, dude, this is still like thrash speed metal. This is just like, and he's like, no, this is like, oh, listen to how, how like chill and, and like, 
calm and vibe it is. It's like, so when you're used to listening to that much more stuff, so I don't know. I mean, I guess like for well, Jared, this eaten. must be like, feels like it's going at like, yeah. So when I listen to phone calls at work, I got to listen to them at like 1.75 speed or like two times speed because some of my reps are just so slow. And like, that's their normal talking point. And like, motherfucker, we got like, like, let's move. I've got shit to do, you know? <laughs> and like Ashes of Eden from Breaking Benjamin, Breaking the Mirror, the acoustic version, Closure by Divine Heresy. As much as people give them shit, Five Finger Death Punch, some of their good stuff. Architects, they have a song called Doomsday. They have an acoustic and a piano reprise version. Like, those are good, actual, slow, soft songs. But that just sounds like... There, there are these there, there's these UK comedians that it's like, oh, check it out. We can play, like, the top ten favorite awesome songs with just three chords and just different versions. And it's hilarious because it's like, oh, yeah, it's just that soft everything and i don't like that it just feels like there's more sustenance to it other than then like let's just create some really chill vibes man it's like fucking i want to sleep right now <laughs> all I feel right like an asshole but like i'm so <laughs> you're fine Jared. Just, I just i'm not want... gonna force you to like simon and garfunkel <laughs> <laughs> I am. It's required listening. You have to listen. You're, yeah. You're forced. I voluntarily <laughs> showed up to this. <laughs> I was All like, right. oh, the 60s uh, were so great. I wonder what the 70s hold for me. Ah, oh, shit. It's Mark and Chris uh, flip-flopping the rest of the way. Mark, you have this one. What's on the docket for us now, sir? This is, oh, what can be said about this man? This This man is the 1970s. Uh, constantly moving the, every genre forward, everything he touches. Uh, I, it's hard to pick one from him. Uh, I, like Jake, like Eric, I was like, I'm like, okay, well, there's the obvious ones, but those ones have been done so to death. This one also, I think, showed up somewhere. I think Guardians of the Galaxy. So maybe, but it was in a in a smaller scene. So maybe this one hasn't been overdone. So without further ado, of course, it's Bowie and Suffragette City. Oh, and year, Jake? The year is 1972, and London has just hosted its first ever gay pride parade. Here's David Bowie with Suffragette <laughs> City. This is, uh... No, yeah, this is something else. Did it... It fucked up on me. God damn it. God damn it, Spotify. There we go.
right, Jared, what uh, slander do you have against the Thin White Duke now? <laughs> I'm not supposed to go first, apparently. So, you know, you're muted, um, everybody. Yeah, you're oh, muted. I'm not muted on the recording because I was coughing my lungs <laughs> wow. out. Uh, but yeah, no, um, I'm not supposed to go first is what I said. Uh, I'll go first. All right, no, okay. you go first, Jake. Yeah, I mean, like I was saying with Dreamboat Annie, that's like Ziggy Stardust, another one of those like just perfect albums. Like it, it really doesn't matter like what you choose from that album. It's all just fucking Bowie at his best, and it's so good. And uh, yeah, as I've said multiple times on the show before, I'm a huge fan of that uh, UK, especially '70s glam rock, is like one of my all-time favorite subgenres. And yeah, that, that song's just so fucking good. <laughs> I agree. David Bowie is one of the masterminds of reworking your career to yeah. fit your mood, to fit society. He's like a chameleon. But what was great is he always did whatever genre or weird bending thing he was doing the music was always good. You know, it wasn't self, it, it didn't feel self-serving. Sometimes when artists do that, it feels a little bit disingenuous. Hmm. But like this, I mean, Bowie, Bowie's one of the, one of the pioneers of um, doing, being yourself no matter what. Because you know. he was so passionate about it, no matter what, like uh, staying true to the art and making something that he wanted to make while redefining himself and being commercially successful. It was uh, not just done to like sell out for the money. Like, OK, this is the sound I have to produce now because this is what's selling. He's like, no, he needs to adapt. But it's something that he also did genuinely want to do at the time as well. So it's made him you know, completely unique and certainly one of kind really good selection there mark i mean why would why did you choose this one over any of the others that you had an option well, for? once i i started putting this together I, I i realized looking back bowie was the last one i added i was like i was like you know what i've hit i've really gone hit the diversity kind of scale here i gave you a black guy who gave you some soul i gave you a cis white male who gave you a country song from a movie that you love and i got get you two mexicans and here I'm delivering an LGBT man, the first one who kicked ass. It didn't have to announce to everybody. We just all knew. We all knew there was something. When we saw him singing with Mick Jagger, we knew what was up. We knew what was going <laughs> on. Like, and still, in in spite of that, in a, in an era where that should have shut you down, Bowie was the exception to the rule. Uh, well, I guess there were some others, but like, but get the exception to the rule, who got to be cool? So I felt like Bowie needed to be here in the 70s but he i wanted him in my diverse cast of uh of freaks and weirdos david bowie was transcended music obviously you know he was an actor you know he transcended even the genres that he was in you know the only thing i hold against him is labyrinth that movie is just <laughs> how dare you yes exactly how very dare it's, you it's, it's time for me to take heat off of jared and just put you it. might never be able to show your face around megan again for, uh, <laughs> that's that's fine 
Trish uh, loves it too. It's it's still garbage. I don't care who likes it. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I love David Bowie. I can't stand Labyrinth too. I have to admit, I love David Bowie guys, too. I mean, the, the like cod piece stops. is obnoxious. But exactly. Yeah. It's, no it's, way. That's what too makes much. it. The, the the piece makes it. I actually kind of liked him in Labyrinth. To be honest with you, I thought it was ridiculous. I thought it was amazing, and I was just like, that's that's cool. <laughs> Like that's kind of where I went with it, because isn't Labyrinth in a different language, or was that a different one that I was thinking of? You're thinking of Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, yeah, Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's okay. Yeah, yeah. I know that both different of movie, them, Jared. Yeah, both of them are are equally weird, and I like both of them. I just know that one I understood and one I didn't. Yeah, the the guy with the the eyes in his hands. That was that was David Bowie, right? That's I just like the dude's weird enough. Or I but I it was I got close with Labyrinth. All right, like you, did. It, you got close. I didn't. I didn't. Like I watched both of them once. I was like, all right, that's 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 all I need of that. But, but yeah, was... you claim to know what the cod piece was, and you're like, no, that was well, the, yeah, because cool he got the, the he's got the he cool hair, he's got the big goofy hair, and okay, he's got so the... you did know what it was, but yeah, <laughs> and he's got the tight fucking pants where it's just like, dude, fucking Freddie Mercury, be like, put that shit away, man. Yeah, I don't remember anybody in Pan's Labyrinth <laughs> smuggling plums. I've seen it. Unitard. I've seen both the movies once, and it was just like Hot Rod, where it's like, all right, I can only watch this once. There's no rewatching it because I don't. Yeah, I'm good to go. <laughs> I mean, all three of those deserve rewatches. So, I can't. I can't rewatch Hot Rod. I just like everything. Feel the first time I watched it, died laughing. I could not breathe. I was in stitches. Second time watching it, I had to turn it off within 20 minutes. I was like, this is pure cringe right now. Hmm. I don't know. I just I couldn't rewatch it. Oh, so many wrong opinions. <laughs> even, though, even though no opinion is wrong, <laughs> except Jared's. So well, we've like... done enough episodes. We've established that his opinions are almost exclusively wrong. But we still love him. Jared's still. Uh, and yet I beg to come back every week. Every yeah. two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Your opinion is wrong, Eric. So much. <laughs> we always laugh and have such a good time. Like just hearing what inane bullshit you're going to spew next, it's just uh, it's priceless. Uh, <laughs> no wonder people like my show solos. <laughs> just <laughs> let's see where Jared goes. But uh, I don't want to go any further because we got the wonton song. <laughs> yes, Chris, what do you got? Yeah, so this is the wonton song by Zeppelin. Uh, it's it, to me this is my favorite zeppelin song of all time it's it's a it's a deep cut um but it i don't know it just it encapsulates everything that's great about zeppelin like really difficult to play like john paul jones just an absolute monster bass player i mean everybody in that band obviously is at the top of their game um this is a song that i don't hear that much at all which is great because i get burnt out on everything you know i don't want to hear black dog anymore i'm good on cashmere <laughs> but you know no stairway yeah right <laughs> definitely burn out on stairway but you know like this this song is a ripper um it's really really difficult to 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 play and sit down with um and the, the bass line is just just insanely good like this whole song is just a ripper. I, Jared, I actually think you're gonna like this. I don't know. Have you heard this song by Zeppelin? I I've heard a couple of Zeppelin songs. I don't know if I've exactly heard this one. I but... bet you haven't. 
I bet okay. you haven't. So, but I, I think I think you'll I think you'll like it. It's it's not it's, it doesn't have the energy of Simon and Garfunkel. Build <laughs> it up too much, Chris. Ah, there's there's only half a, a half a pan flute solo in this one, so you might. Just a few, a few little do to lose. Don't hold that against it, though. All right. <laughs> as long as I can hold you against me, we're good to go, Chris. Oh. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Jake, what is our fun fact? Uh, the year is 1975, and Margaret Thatcher has become the leader of the Conservative Party in the UK. Here's Led Zeppelin with the wanton song.
What'd you think, Jared? I did hear this song like two minutes before when I accidentally skipped the next button. Yes. So I, I mean, <laughs> technically, song. technically, I have heard it before. Oh, okay. Um, well, how was it on your second spin? Uh, it's 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 definitely a Led Zeppelin song. I'll say that much. Like, I don't have any real words of wisdom or or anything fancy to say, but I'm like, yeah, that's Led Zeppelin, man. I think it's. I mean, you could definitely tell, you know, uh, plant, but I. I think it's uh, Chris had a really good point that it's a lot different uh, approach from the stereotypical songs that you always hear on classic rock radio for Zeppelin. So I, I think this was a, a really good selection. Like if you're going to have like same thing with my comments about Boston, it's really difficult to have a seventies episode without Led Zeppelin. And so if you're going to choose a song, May as well choose one that you know really rocks and isn't like the the PSL, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> and nothing against like those other songs. Like I, I like everything Zeppelin, but they're just like I like I said with um, more than a feeling. Anytime I hear Stairway or Black Dog, I turn them right. Not another bad songs, just. Just over, just beat to death. Yeah. And, For sure. You know, Zeppelin's a. It's hard to call them underrated, but they kind of are because their B sides are are just so damn good that they don't get the attention they should. And it it is weird that this didn't become a bigger hit because it was really heavy, groovy, and um had had a really good, bounceable, singable kind of tone. I, like to me, this is a much, much better song than than Black Dog, uh, you know. Um, and most of their it's to me, it's against my favorite Zeppelin song. Um, so it's weird to me that this isn't a, a massive mega hit. Maybe it's good because then I probably would have got sick of it too, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I mean, what physical graffiti? I mean, you can't that, that album is just just awesome. So yeah, I love this song. Yep, give me give me Led Zeppelin, just not one of their one of their ten songs that's like in constant rotation and like every dive bar and every like yeah, th- this one I love. This this is this is this reminds me a lot of Suffragette City. It's like it's like, oh yeah, that one's so great. Why isn't that one get played more? I, I love this one. Yeah. Yeah, this does feel like in a weird way, despite so many of their hits being so different, this does kind of feel like if you distilled Led Zeppelin into one song, like I, I do feel like this is like the most representative of what Led Zeppelin is. Like th- thinking about their full discography. And yeah, this is a this is a great pick. I definitely agree. All right, Mark, uh, what are we rounding out your selections with? This one is a shorter song, so it's and it's definitely going to be a, a whiplash and vibe here because this is a country song. Um, I picked this one uh, very selfishly because uh, this is Freddie Fender, of course, uh, he, as he's known in the Hispanic community and in family function as Baldomir Huerta. So this is uh, uh, my uncle. Um, and I remember uh, not only personal connection here, but also just uh, music-wise. Uh just one generation removed from from Richie Valens, you had, especially in Texas, California, Arizona, New Mexico, you had uh, all across migrant camps. You had these guys, uh, Mexican artists, who were 
listening to, uh, to, to early rock, listening to country. And that was, they were synthesizing it for what would later happen. And it was the, the first uh, Mexican American artist to ever chart in country music. And it was such a, uh, not a scandal, but it was such a, a kind of thing that you would look away for. Even his name, Freddie Fender is, is, is Fender after the guitar, obviously he could not carry the name Valdemar Huerta because that wouldn't have sold to an audience that primarily uh, was country. And, and for all the, the talk of country being backwards and country, uh, you know, and rightfully so, I mean, we're talking about a huge swath of the country. We all know that it's about, but country music is the same music that brought, brought this song, Wasted Day, Wasted Night, Nine to Five, Jolene, some of the best story songs in, in all of the uh, American uh, discography. Uh, it, it has its place and it does just like baseball has its place. And when things break for an artist, it, it just becomes historic. And uh, the most popular song is when the last teardrop falls, which was the one that charted higher. I think my favorite and this one, I could have put with any of the other songs that was in my own musical journey uh, just from about what the subject matter is, uh, is uh, this is a uh, Freddie Fender or, as he performs now, or we used to perform, he passed away, uh, Baldemar Huerta in uh, Wasted Days and Wasted Nights. The year is 1975, and the Voting Rights Act has been expanded to include language minorities, uh, allowing many more Spanish-speaking Americans to vote. Here's Freddie Fender with Wasted Days and Wasted Nights. I'd like to dedicate this song to my partner, soul partner, Mr. Duck Sound, better known as Sir Douglas Quintet from San Antonio. Wherever you are, brother. Wasted days and wasted nights I have left for you behind For you don't belong to me Your heart belongs to someone else why should I keep loving you When I know that you're not true And why should I call your name When you're the blame For making me blue Don't you remember the day But you went away and left me I was so lonely, great for you only, my love. Why should I keep loving you when I know that you're not true? And why should I call your name when you're the blame or making me? Yeah. 
sound <laughs> yeah i hadn't ever heard it this was uh certainly you know uh different and not really what i was expecting but yeah that was good it was not as twangy as uh like a prototypical country or what you think of from like the early days uh, of country i mean definitely a, a different approach i i dug that one oh uh, yeah yeah uh, this this falls into the uh good category of country before uh jared's guy got a hold of it and ruined the genre <laughs> <laughs> no no that was a good yeah. song yeah, yeah not my uh not my wheelhouse or genre um but you know it's a good song i don't know i, I this is I hadn't heard that Simon Garfunkel song either. I obviously I knew who they were. I, I had no idea who Freddie Fender was. I, I've never heard this song. But uh but yeah, for that genre, what they're doing, it sounds great. Just not my thing. <laughs> I could tell Eric's looking at me. I can I can see it through the screen. No, no, yeah, I yeah, I I've this is definitely a selfish pick, but I, I was like, I, I wanted something that else that represented country music in the era that was more, that wasn't so hokey because there was a lot of hokey novelty songs and heck, a lot of that's coming through a revival right now, but there was a lot of earnest, like beer soaked, uh, uh, honky tonk kind of ballads like this that, that, that were, especially that came up in the early seventies. And I think for everything that becomes alt country, like everything in my mind, a lot of the best alt country is mining from this source material in the early seventies and sure. they're, they're, they're mining it and they're bringing on the tradition while modern country goes in a more like a hip hop kind of R and B kind of route. There's two distinct kind of set patterns, but they all go back to the source code, but this is like, write what I think uh, modern or what, what this uh, alternative country is trying to save. And man, yeah. what a mustache. That thing is powerful. <laughs> that gives Burt Reynolds and uh, yeah, but Tom Selleck, Burt Reynolds can have mustaches. You, you didn't see the mustache. You seen a Mexican dude. <laughs> that's, that's a real mustache, bro. Yeah, you're not living unless you got a mustache and an afro. <laughs> it was the 70s man different time different time i love it that's my Mark. favorite part of the whole song is looking at pictures uh, finding pictures of him on the google <laughs> mark aren't you a little uh south of the border too there bud uh yeah i'm his nephew so yeah <laughs> wait you're freddie fender's nephew <laughs> seriously are we <laughs> what yes <laughs> I said that at the the beginning of my intro. Dude. Oh, I didn't I didn't pay attention to that at all. <laughs> uh, why can't you grow a mustache Stocking. like him? 
I, yeah. I could grow a mustache like that. Give me do some it. time. Give, do it. Give me like 90 days and I'll, I'll rock a mustache not, just like that. I'm not concerned about the mustache. I want the afro. <laughs> no, no. He's Pull that off. Skinhead with us. <laughs> Can't call it that, Jared. No, absolutely. <laughs> oh my God. I just realized we have four very bald white men in yeah, here. Yeah. No, no kidding. <laughs> No, no oh, good kidding. thing I didn't call you what I wanted to call you, Mark. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. All right. Well, let's move but, on. Uh, let, let's save that for our Friday show. <laughs> yeah, a little bit when I can be a little bit. Well, when I can be fully racist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yes, let's please move on. Uh, Chris, what's, what are you rounding out your selections and the entirety of our music? With? Oh, my God. All right, so they say save the best for last, right? Woo-woo. And I think that this is this is probably my favorite song of of all ones on my list. It's my favorite ACDC song, which is one of my favorite bands. Um, this is a whole lot of Rosie, and to me, like like uh, Jake said, like if you pick a song that encapsulates a band. The Wanton Song Zeppelin to me, a whole lot of Rosie does that for ACDC. It's it's fast, it's loud guitars, it's a killer kick-ass riff. It's a it's about about women. This one's about curvy women, which uh, <laughs> I, I I like. So like this is this is just ACDC in a bottle, in a five minute song that just rips your face off I, <laughs> I love it well the year is 1977 and queen elizabeth ii is visiting australia as part of her silver jubilee tour but let's hear about another australian woman here's acdc with a whole lot of rosie <laughs> oh, so good. Tell you a story about a woman I know. I come loving, she steals the show. She ain't exactly pretty, ain't exactly small. Four, two, third, nine, fifty-six. You can say she got it
think Jake was the only one that got to appreciate. But we we it, we still got time left in the clock. You know what? You know that, what Eric was thinking. Now the song is over. Now you can speak. When the song is officially over, that's when oh my Eric God. can talk. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I think Jake is the only one that got to appreciate Wrigley doing the Angus Young. I think everybody else is doing something else. So. I was too busy listening to the four-minute guitar solo in a five-minute song. I love that. <laughs> I, I never I said it. it was the bad. Man, the man appreciates nothing. He's, I never uh, said it was bad. I just said I was too devoted to that four-minute guitar solo in a five-minute song. Look, if I ever get the opportunity to get to make my Hallmark movie that stars Maria Menounos, and uh, and, and there's going to be Mario a scene, Lopez. yeah, Mario Lopez. There's going to be a scene where the main character is doing cocaine. They go on a cocaine bender, and this will be the song that's playing in the background during the bender. It is <laughs> awesome. Is very fitting. Yeah. This is like this is. Give Me Shelter somehow became like the mob song for movies. This should have yeah. become the coke song for movie. Why it hasn't <laughs> is is not fair. Good question. But now we know. <laughs> Jake? Uh, yeah, ACDC is a weird band for me. They were like one of my dad's favorite bands growing up. So I heard every ACDC song, including this one, just played on repeat constantly. But, and like, I, I don't know, it, it, it does kind of have that like radio effect that we've been talking about where now like any acdc like acdc as a band i like them and i can enjoy them but like it's it's tough for me to pay attention to like halfway through like the guitar solo i'm like you know if i was listening on my own i would have enjoyed this and skipped the song at this point i've got got my acdc fill i got i got some of that you know fantastic guitar work uh, over like the simple blues stuff like I can move on now. <laughs> well, good thing I didn't give you the live at Donington version, which is like 15 minutes long. Because <laughs> uh, they just go on and on and on and on. Yeah, I think awesome. yeah. Jared would definitely be uh, rioting if that was the case. I mean, I just want to call out Jake. You did such a phenomenal job with all the, the factoids and how they were so yeah, you know, prescient. Cool. It was uh, really neat how they were all, you know, almost all of them directly related to an event with the song was just so cool so thank you for doing that it this last one was a struggle i spent so long looking (laughs) for something interesting that happened in australia that year and there's fucking nothing (laughs) wow (laughs) there was like murders and a guy committed suicide by crashing a plane those are like the only two things that happened other than that it's all like oh the the minister of transportation he, he resigned so what? <laughs> like, oh, that was it. <laughs> fucking start the presses, eh? <laughs> okay. Uh, anything else about ACDC or this song or the 1970s decade in general? It's the the best decade for music, in my opinion. It's it's easily my number one. Yeah, for all. Sorry, Mark. I was just going to say for, for all the, there's such a, uh, a collection of genres in, in our list here for today's episode. It's just like, it really does span the gamut. But when I, like, when you think of seventies, I think this was the fitting final song today. Cause it's, it's like, there was so much selection in the seventies, but 
you want to rock out to some ACDC like this is, <laughs> this feels like the the, yeah. the the right way to celebrate the 70s listen to all this we have all this stuff but also ACD really kicked ass <laughs> well I mean obviously the the whole shtick is that we go in alphabetical order so it's just uh you know that was it's just that's, it's that's what serendipity. we did but it's yeah, kismet. Well, I mean, serendipitous absolutely <laughs> very good Jared. Yeah, five hour <laughs> <laughs> uh, coming up in the world so i mean the way we started with uh bobby womack and the way we finished with acdc i think it uh was and obviously every everything that we had in between was great i really love uh the diversity and the eclectic nature that we had like yeah, we, it was we, bouncing around but we started with a very serious song about social issues you mean with ACDC bagging <laughs> overweight chicks? <laughs> the 70s are just like now. That's right. Right. <laughs> All right. I guess without further ado, then it's time hey, for. Hey, doesn't Se- seem to be working properly i apologize second second time i played that this week okay <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, mark would you right. say that you went look at you with the sound effects look at him well, i know he's <laughs> he must have woke up exactly well the episode is almost over so he's getting his uh he's his pumped. second wind yeah he's like oh i can see the light no, at the end of the i want to die right now <laughs> <laughs> well this is when you should listen for some hootie the blowfish that's, that's the kind of mood <laughs> all right for those that uh don't know the game is it hootie it takes five yes jared so, because there's four of us here, and there's the four main songs, we should have each one of us go first one time, and then the yeah. final one is a spin of the coin. Uh, well, I've already got it picked out, which what the order is. I did my due diligence. Yes. So, okay. So, those you don't know, is it Hootie? It's five snippets of. Oh, oh so. one more thing. One more thing. Uh huh. I forgot. <laughs> You're such a dick. You're just in. Th- wow. All right. <laughs> Ah, he's really angling for it. He's <laughs> hankering bad for a text message. <laughs> I get the joke now. <laughs> wow. No. You are, wow. I, oh, I I don't even know. I don't even know where to go with this guy. Uh-huh. I'm just going to just be silent for a few seconds just to make it more torturous for Jared. Uh, it's not my podcast. You're the one with the awkward silence. <laughs> okay. Five snippets of lyrics that I will read, and our contestants will have to tell us. Is it a song by Hootie and the Blowfish? If it is, obviously they get points. If it is not, and they know the correct artist and the correct name of the song, that is good for bonus points. Whoever has the most points at the end is obviously the winner of Is It Hootie. Uh, I will read them. And then we will choose. Is that slow enough? (laughs) It's a bit. All right. Here's the first one. How wonderful life is while you're in the world. I sat on the roof and kicked off the moss. Well, a few of the verses, well, they've got me quite cross, but the sun's been quite kind while I wrote this song. 
This is Chris, then Jake, Jared, and Mark. I'm, I'm going to say this is not Hootie, but I have no idea. Um, let's go with Simon and Garfunkel on this one. <laughs> okay. I Jake. can hear the I can hear the flute solo in the background. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say this is Hootie. Okay. Based on nothing. <laughs> Jared. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Jake. I feel like it is a hoodie and hoodie that it and is. Hoodie. Yeah. Okay. And Mark. I'm going to say no. This is, uh, that sounds like those lyrics from Elton John's, your song. Okay. Well, a man returned from Vietnam, got a ticket on the midnight train. He soon dropped down to his knees with a fever in his brain. A bit blinded now, you see. We need to make you strong. Like receiving a lost letter from a friend while the world just feels so wrong. Mark, you lead us off. Then Jared, Jake, and Chris. They do have a Vietnam song. It's called Old Man and Me, but this doesn't sound like lyrics from that. I think this is the, the misdirection. I'm going to say no. This is this is not Hootie. I don't know who it is, though. I'm going to go against the okay. grain and say it is Hootie. Okay. Oh, that that first line sounds so familiar, but I can't tell if that's just because it sounds so generically like a seventies Vietnam song. <laughs> uh, I, I'm gonna say not Hootie, but I don't have a guess as to who. Okay, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's not. It sounds like a. I'm gonna say Buffalo Springfield because this <laughs> sounds like a Neil Young Buffalo Springfield song. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's four. It's just four days till Sunday when I say that I'm gone. Little one screams, you cry. Tell the pain to leave me alone. It's just two days till Monday. Another week till the fourth. Is anyone listening or should I call on the Lord? This is Jake, then Jared, then Chris, then Mark. Uh, not Hootie. Okay. Jared? I'm going to go with that's AI generation. And I have no idea what anything else is. Okay. Chris? I think that is Hootie. I'm going to go with some hoots on that one. Okay. And Mark? Did we lose him? You still with us, Mark? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, whoever whoever this is, they're cribbing from the book of Isaiah, the, the Old Testament. I, it's not Hootie. It's too religious for them. I don't know who it is, though, but it's not Hootie. Okay. Breathe with me. Come with me. Breathe the sweet air I love. Into the trees I want to grow. Tonight we will love till the end. All the clouds cast their darkened lust. I love to watch our own ghost search the dark. Jared. Chris, Mark, and Jake. Fuck, that sounds like a temper tantrum that a that a AI generation would, would throw when, when it tries to come <laughs> up with the lyrics. Tantrum? Yeah, I don't know. Um, fuck me. 
you know what? I'm just going to take a shot in the dark. That was AI generation uh, and uh, mood um, in the dark. Uh, I don't think that's Hootie. I, so I'm going to say no with Hootie. I, that's a dark, a dark song. Uh, I'm going to go with Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Uh, Mark? Specifically Art Garfunkel. I don't think Simon would be playing that. <laughs> uh, that is definitely Hootie. That's from Cracked Rear View. That is not, not, not even the trees. Okay. Well, you know, I think I'm going to say that is Hootie. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the song is, what was it, Mark? <laughs> you should only get half points, Jake. <laughs> uh, was it Cracked Windshield? <laughs> Damn you, was... Goldfish Memory. <laughs> I'll take half points. <laughs> goldfish, goldfish memory off of cracked rear view, cracked windshields is my <laughs> I think they actually opened up for Hootie back in '95. <laughs> exactly. Did. All right. Here's the final one. She is sublimation. She is the essence of thee. She is concentrating on he chosen by she. Here I go, and I don't know why I spin so ceaselessly. Could it be he's taking over me? It's Chris, then Jake, Jared, and Mark. Oh, man. I think that might be Simon and Garfunkel again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to say that is not Hootie Blowfish. That sounds like David Bowie. Okay. Jake? Yeah, that, it's not Hootie. Uh, that does feel like a song that I have heard. This feels like one that I'm going to be mad about when you say it it's iron maiden yeah. <laughs> bruce dickinson damn it sorry damn it, bruce uh yeah I, I, I have no idea jared uh because you decided to choose mark to go last i genuinely think it is a hootie and the bluefish though because usually because they're saying you're yeah. saying yes? I'm saying yes, it is Hootie and the Blowfish, because I think when Mark goes last, it's usually a song. And when he's like second to last, it's, it's it's an actual song, so most of us don't get it, because Mark is so <laughs> confident. Mark? This is not Hootie and the Blowfish. I just heard this song. This is a... Uh, um, that what was the first line? I am sublimation. She, she, she is, is sublimation. sublimation. Yeah, this is this is um Patty Smith. I just heard the song not that long ago. Right? Right, Jake? Right? I think yeah, I think so. Yeah, I just heard this. Like, it... well, do you have a? Any kind I don't of know the song. The name of the song. I'm not a Patty Smith fan. I heard it on like a, a '70s mix, and I remember thinking, I was like, "Hmm, that's a weird word." I had to, I remember looking it up. A S U education. Sorry. <laughs> All right, let me do some tabulation here. Great audio, I know. <laughs> you guys can talk amongst yourselves while I'm while I'm doing this. I should have been doing it on the fly, but you know that's. Wait, wait, wait! I, I got I got something for this. I got something for this. Tell what someone goes to get it, Jared. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it.
<laughs> this is their EDM face. <laughs> Just enough time for him to do some of that Illinois math. Okay, and I've got it. Yay. Okay, here we go. So the first one, How Wonderful Life Is When You're in the World. That is Elton John, your song. Chris said it was not Hootie, so that is correct for one point. Jake and Jerry both said that it was Hootie, so no points for you. Mark said no, said that it was Elton John and said it was your song, so that is three points right off the top. A man returned from Vietnam, got a ticket on the midnight train. That is AI generated with the prompts of Vietnam with the genre pop with the mood sad. So yeah. Mark said it was sorry. Mark said it was not, so that's correct for a point. Jake said no, that is correct. And Chris said no, so that is correct. Jared was the only one that said yes, so he was incorrect. It's four days till Sunday. Uh, should I call on the Lord? Mark said explicitly that that was not Hootie because it was <laughs> oh, too religious. It's Hootie. <laughs> That song is Shit. When I'm Lonely. So uh, Chris said that it was Hootie. So he was the only one that got points for that one. Next one. Breathe with me. Come with me. I love to watch our own ghost search the dark. Such a cool line that AI came up with. I doubled down on the AI this time. The uh, prompt was free love. The genre was metal. The mood very happy. Very happy. Still comes up with I love to, like, to watch our own ghost search the dark. The, the very so, happy thing. I that's why I thought it was Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, <laughs> so Jared said no, it was not Hootie. He also said that it was AI, so correct for two points. Chris said nice. no, that is correct for one point. Um <laughs> Mark said that it was Hootie, so it was from Crack Review, and that the song was not even the trees. <laughs> I think you need to re-listen to that one, my man. I, I, I heard the word tree in, in your line. And I was like, okay. That's... <laughs> and finally, she is sublimation. That is indeed Patti Smith. The song is Dancing Barefoot. I wanted to have a Patti Smith song. I ended up choosing with Bill Withers and said I wanted to uh, choose because the night. So I figured I would choose some Patti Smith lyrics. So um, Chris got it correct. Uh Jake got it correct, and Mark got it correct, and also knew that it was Patty Smith. So that means Mark has six points and wins. Mm. Chris comes in second with five points. Jer- Jared has three points, and Jake, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Not that I know that you don't care. You actually take it as a badge of honor for finishing last in this. <laughs> yeah, less so now that it's not Aerosmith. <laughs> I was really kind of hoping I would have failed miserably and had zero. I, I I'm doing the Aaron Rodgers championship belt move. I'm I, I have never <laughs> lost his booty <laughs> when I've been on this show. Maybe never. if your camera was on, we could see it. Oh. <laughs> Do you want me to come on camera for you? Yeah, like right here at the end, like what four and a half no. hours into the, no. <laughs> into the show. And now I got to sit down. Now I got to sit down. Well, you got to come on camera because now it's time for the plugs as we wrap things up. Congratulations, Mark, on your Is It Hootie victory. Thank you guys, as always, for being a part of the episode, the 1960s. Mark, since you just graced us with your presence on camera, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone where they can find more Mark? 
You can find me at evilmark.com, also on Twitter or X at E-V-L-M-R-K. Once again, that's E-V-L-M-R-K. But come to evilmark.com. You can find the links to everything and all the shops and everything good. And then if you want, you can check out my podcast, The Evil Mark Show, uh, every Thursday for college football, every Friday for the NFL. And we get a little spicy on Friday, so uh, don't bring your own trigger warning. But uh, we're there for you every single week. And Go uh, the, college, the college football <laughs> episodes are becoming almost like final mm-hmm. entertainment. We actually, we even had a little final entertainment segment this last yeah. week with uh, <laughs> Deion Sanders rap songs. If anyone can yes. believe that, so so nice. that was uh, that was phenomenal. <laughs> I'm sure everyone will love that. But yeah, those are going like uh, what three, three and a half hours. So they're yeah, becoming we're, almost we're, like final we're, entertainment. We're getting up there, and I've tried to shorten them down too. <laughs> That's the bad part. <laughs> We have too many tangents. We'd like we start with a script. We maybe get to the first section, and then we're just like completely off the rails. Uh, speaking amazing. of off the rails, as uh, most tangents uh, that we get on and life is unfair. Jake, where, where can they find more of you? Well, they can listen to the '70s episode of File Under Entertainment. I was recently <laughs> on that. It was a great episode. Highly recommend it. And after you listen to that, you can uh, go check out Life Is Unfair, the Malcolm the Middle podcast, which Eric is a frequent guest on. And you can also find me on Twitch, where I am part of Let's Play Death Ray. Uh, Chris, anything that you want to plug? Your My ears can... sometimes when I hear uh, <laughs> people talking. <laughs> he wanted to call out someone specifically but thought the better I of it. <laughs> I, I did not um, I will leave that up to you to decide but no you, you'll find me at home working uh, and taking care of my two uh, two daughters and wife and other than that you're not going to find I was just on this 70s show uh, <laughs> under file entertainment you can check that out <laughs> Um, Isn't that where you can find Eastbound and Down too with that many? That's right. There's there was this so- there was this show on HBO that Jared and uh, Eric mentioned. I've been hearing a lot about that lately. I'm really gonna have to check that out. Uh, and Jared, last but certainly not least, where can they find more of you? Uh, I'm a secret guest on two uh, podcasts. One called File Entertainment where you can find me regularly. Uh, Life is Unfair. I've appeared on two of those episodes. Good luck finding both of them. Um, You can find me on the very tight and very well done Friday shows uh, of the Evil Mark where we talk about the NFL and we actually stick to the script, uh, which is pretty amazing, by the way. And then on on, uh, Feathers and Friends, where I am back to just my dumb face talking at you. So good luck with that. Yeah, and catch more of me on the Thursday Superior Edition of of the College Football Show, where you can get three and a half (laughs) wonderful, boisterous hours of myself and Mark talking college football and pop culture and Taylor Swift and all kinds of incredible, incredible stuff. Also, as Jake mentioned, um, season seven especially, I have guested with them for... Quite a few episodes. I can't believe that that show is coming to an end. But yeah, a lot of great back catalog. Go watch the show, Malcolm in the Middle. And while you're rewatching it, listen along to the podcast. It's uh, incredible. Seven seasons worth of content. And also, you know, check out their Twitch channel. And uh, until next time, the next decade of the 1980s, unless we get no listens to this one as well. I think uh, we'll get at least 40 listens on this one. 
I think it's good for 40. <laughs> well, we'll <laughs> see. I guess the jury's out on that one. Until next time, thank you guys for being a part of this. Thank you for listening, those who do. And we are going to slam that final camera show. Thank <laughs> you.